Coming up this week, off-screen. A tale as old as time gets retold in Beauty and the Beast. Jordan Peele wants us to get out. The story of one man's battle with ALS is told in Gleason. There's a trip to Spain to recover an olive tree. Katie Cassidy has wolves at the door. As Garfa Hardy sends the salesman over. And Christian Stewart gets to something ghostly as a personal shopper. All those to come and more, off-screen. This is... This is Offscreen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Bank I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, before the news, before the reviews, uh-huh. before the box office top ten this week, start us off with, the, I think you have some remake slash reboot news for us? I do, uh, to the power of two. Okay. I have two pieces because of remake slash... films never get remade or remade. No, it's such never. a rarity. I know, I mean, we're not going to be talking about a reboot today on the show at all, are we? <laughs> not like, at all. Hmm, I wonder what's going to be coming out. I think we've got... No, we've just got a remake this week, I think. We've got... Uh, yeah, it's just, just a remake. Just a remake, not yeah. a reboot. Because there is an extremely subtle difference between the two. <laughs> okay, the first one, um, it has been announced it was going to be a remake of The Fly. Which I love. I love The Fly. I love the remake of The Fly. Yes, as we were just talking about off-air. Yeah. Yeah. So the David Cronenberg one is not actually the original Fly, but it is much beloved in the way that John Carpenter's The Thing is beloved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully that won't get an awful sequel-prequel then that weirdly uses the exact same title. But I didn't hate it. It has to be said, I didn't hate it, but I think that's just like, you put Mary Elizabeth Winstead in anything, and I'm chances I'm probably going to enjoy it. D- don't ever watch A Good Day to Die Hard. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. <laughs> she does care. Like, I, I know. <laughs> Did we see that together? No, I was in Cardiff. But, oh. uh, you know, uh, yippee-ki-yay, Mother Russia. <laughs> anyway, back to The Fly. So The Fly is being remade. Yes, uh, by the guy who did a film called Slight, which I've not seen, but I heard good Shady things about. Shady Dillard. Yeah, it was a big thing at Sundance, wasn't mm, it? And it seems to be a thing now, where, like, uh, up-and-coming horror directors have been given these kind of, like, beloved franchises or beloved classics and given, like, a fresh spin. So uh, the guy who did Mama from a few mm-hmm. years ago, he has got it. That's coming out this year, I believe, now. Hashtag justice for Nacho Vigilando. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Do you ever see wind- open windows? I really yeah. like that one. Mm. But, uh, right. but um, yeah, so that is the first one. I am... Um, I'll, I'll see it. I'll did- see it, but I'll definitely just... Uh, I, it, I've got a special place in my heart for the Jeff Goldblum version. Does this mean we'll get a, a remake of The Fly 2 as well? Because Eric Stoltz, he's waiting for that cameo call. That's what that yeah, is. Yeah, know what happens. He casts Eric Stoltz and then he just gets replaced by Michael J. Fox. That's it. That is how it works. I think it should be like uh, the casting in Bewitched in the 60s, where just halfway through they just switch the actor out. And but just don't say anything. Did don't you know? Word. Into- like the Fresh Prince ante. Yeah. yeah. In, in 2005, when they were making the Will Ferrell, Nicole Kidman, Bewitched movie, at one point they were genuinely going to swap out the actor playing him midway through. That'd be amazing. And just not acknowledge it. Yeah. It's just going to be done and not acknowledged. And they never did it, and it would have been the cleverest gag in the whole film. Even if it's just having them like in really heavy makeup. That's very true. Yeah. But actually, you know, you swap out Will Ferrell with Vince Vaughn, see if anyone notices. But Everyone will notice, because they'll all stop laughing. That, that's very true. Oh, no. Will Ferrell with uh, John C. Riley. That's what you know. Yeah, that's a good that, point. That's yeah. a good one. Okay, moving on to my second piece of remake news real quickly. Um, it was leaked today that Warner Brothers are eyeing to do a reboot of The Matrix. Why? I know. <laughs> they are taking the blue pill. <laughs> taking the blue pill. <laughs> that's why. Um, Michael B. Jordan is being eyed to be <sighs> in that one. And there's been rumblings that it's going to be about uh, young Morpheus. Okay, I like the I'm casting of Michael B. Jordan. I mean, I'm great with that. That's cool. I would see him do the dishes. 
I would see him do absolutely anything. Fair, fair. Yeah. Although not a Fantastic Four sequel, presumably you, you'd avoid that, I guess. Well, he's at he's at MCU now, so he's <laughs> he's he's back. He's, 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 he's all inside. Yeah. Good hands, now. exactly. But um, yeah, so in terms of who's going to be involved, um, looks like Warner's trying to get back with the Wachowskis, but not to direct. We just want them to kind of like give their blessing. But they're not going to talk to Joe Silver about it. Yeah, fair enough. So they don't want uh, old Joe. Do you know what it is? Too many Steven Seagal movies he's peddled him over the years. That's Far what that too is. many. Yeah, there's only so many times you can pitch a executive decision sequel. <laughs> there's only so many times you can get the Indian frills and Aikido combo just right. Yeah, you know, isn't, isn't he like a sheriff now? Or he, like, I think he is. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a, 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 a what do you call county sheriff? A county sheriff. Yeah. He is a county sheriff. He also has his own energy drink line, uh, his own aftershave. And his own clothing line, all of which have ridiculously uh, uh, overwrought names that involve the use of the term cigar. He also has. So he's a, got to have like his own brand of cigars. Yeah, he also has think. a burger chain called Fat Cigars. Oh, I love that more than the Wahlburgers thing in America. <laughs> <laughs> never ever That'd ask what Alan Cummings' range of products is called. No, Just never M- ask. Maybe we'll talk about it on podcast. Extras. Podcast that's one of our maybe. favorite things. Yeah, we we can't discuss it otherwise. But yeah, but so yeah. So uh, moving on to uh, people that like to dip their toes into various waters and try different things. Jordan Peele has made a film. He's directed film for the first time mm-hmm. called Get Out, which I heard you enjoyed. I more than a little enjoyed. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I liked it somewhat. I liked it somewhat. Uh, this, I say, this is the feature debut. Jordan Peele with this film has become the first black director ever to make a hundred million on the first go. How amazing is that? That's astonishing. Now, of course, you and I are big fans of Jordan Peele from his TV from work, Key and Peele. Yeah. And, Peele. and then, of course, they've spun into movies now because that show's ended. They've gone into movies. He's got. They've done Keanu together. They've then gone their separate ways. He's in the uh, Key is in the Predator. Peel is doing Get Out, and apparently he has four more of these to wheel out over the next ten years. He does, and also when their show came to an end, mm. they said that they are going to be doing more films together. They're going to be oh, doing yeah. more projects. They just want sort of like a Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder kind of a relationship. And you can't begrudge them. And you know no. what? If the results are going to be half as good as this, you have my blessing, boys. So this is the story of uh, you, you know this old this old story: boy meets girl, boy uh, falls in love with girl. Girl takes boy home to meet her parents. Something horrible, horrible, horrible happens, and it's a mortifyingly overblown, socially relevant horror film. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, Bradley Whitford, Catherine Keener, Stephen Root, <clears throat> Alison Williams, and you know what? Here's a clip. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> how long? <laughs> Four months. Four months? Mm. Uh, five months. Atta boy, better get used to saying that. <laughs> I, please, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. She's right, I'm wrong. <laughs> See? Does he have an off button? No. This is exhausting. I know, and I want to give you a tour. Can you, like, go. unpack first? You want to unpack? Before the tour? Your favourite Mr. Whitford there, and because uh, we're both West Wing fans, yeah. so we love a bit, we love a bit of old bladders. It's Josh, Josh Lyman. Exactly. Donna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what's the uh, Gilbert and Sullivan song? They have a whole episode about singing. Um, oh, he was an Englishman. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so back to Get Out, which is as funny as you'd hope for from Jordan Peele. Far, far scarier than you'd think, um, and it's scary in that way that horror movies should be. In that. It relies on different forms of horror. It relies on a slow, sustained scare. It relies on a jump scare. And it doesn't 
lean too heavily into one, it just throws them all in and says, I can't just do one, I can do them all, and I can, and I can space them out efficiently, and it works. Now, with all these horror films, especially one where there's a sort of mystery element to it, there is obviously a big reveal. And the hammer, the hammer in this case, I say I have to be really careful about spoilers with this one. Do not let anyone spoil this film for you. And if they do, slap them hard across the face. Uh, tell them we sent you. Anyway, um, the hammer falls about an hour into this. And it is about, and I think it's about an hour and 50 long. The hammer falls about an hour in. And unlike a lot of horror films, which, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Disturbing behavior. Remember that? Yes. In the way that disturbed behavior, once it, once the hammer came down, they made the big reveal, it kind of all fell apart. This is one of those movies that gives you its big twist and then says, right, now we're just going to run with that. <laughs> and it, because it commits to it, because it has absolutely no shame or anything about it, uh, it delves into uh, the ridiculousness of its own concept. It's got really, really, I mean, predictably clever things to say about race. There are some gags in here that will have you absolutely howling. And one of the, there's a recurring gag, for instance, that uh, every white person he meets says, I would have, I would have voted for Obama a third time if I could. Um, and it's it's really clever and really topical, and it works. And the performances are terrific. Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, I think yes. is it Kaluuya? Kaluuya. Because I keep saying Kaluuya like the like drink, the, like the drink. No, yeah, Kaluuya. Yeah. yeah, John Coffey like the drink, but spelt but different. Spelled, oh, we got Daniel Kaluuya like the drink, but spelt different. Okay, although technically that's, speaking, that's his new name. That's yeah. his new name. Although technically speaking, we are feeding into the uh, the themes of Get Out by doing that. But uh, he's. Terrific in this. I mean, genuinely terrific. To the extent that you think of the whole Samuel L. Jackson thing from last week, uh, when he made the comment about uh, British actors taking yeah. American roles, he's he's gone on Twitter now to kind of like dial it down, dial that down. It was like that's not it's not what I meant. And I'm sorry mm. if that kind of got mistreated. Don't I even guess. know how he yeah. got to that stage because Kalua is brilliant. Kaluuya is brilliant. Mm. Alison Williams will surprise you as well. She's, she's my favourite girl of the girls. She's my favourite girl of the girls too, actually, as well. Yeah, because she's the only one I can tolerate. Um, <laughs> her and Adam Driver, the only two characters on that show I can stand. I like Andrew Annals. Andrew Annals is good. Is, you will know who is. Is Elijah? Elijah? Yeah, I think okay. he's Elijah. Yeah. Um, so... I loved it. I love the cast. The writing is sharp. The, write, the writing is concise. The scares are fast and furious. The comedy will have you absolutely howling. You will come away from this film and think, wow, just yes. That 99% Rotten Tomatoes rating that was so advertised when it opened in the US deserved. Is it, is it deserved. still at 99? It was for about a week. I don't think it still is. But uh, it was absolutely superb. Uh, you are going to love it. You are going to get absolutely nuts when you see it, Case. I can't. I mean, I'm presuming you're going to pop at some point this Sunday or something into it. I'm seeing it Tuesday. I'm seeing it on my birthday. Oh, excellent. Yeah, because nothing says 28th birthday like casual racism. You know what? Fair play to you, because I think it'll be the perfect birthday film for you. It's got so much of the things you love, mm. it's going to do, do you well, I think. And, you know, um, Jordan Peele. And Bradley Whitford. I know. Bradley Whitford in a film that is successful. I know. I need imagine that. that. I need that in my life. <laughs> but uh, so we'll uh, we need to put the podcast uh, before we before we move on. We do, just before we do, get what? out. Still at ninety nine. Still at ninety nine. Yeah. Excellent. So you know, bully for them. Bully for them, sir. Well done, Jordan. Well done. <laughs> right now, Key, where's your movie, pal? Come on, <laughs> go on, direct something. 
direct something. I'm, sh- I'm sure he will. He will. Yeah. Totally will. Okay, so podcast edition. This week, uh, we've got The Salesman, The Olive Tree, and Gleason that we can't fit into the broadcast version of the show. So download the podcast edition on uh, well, on iTunes, on Acast, Deezer, TuneIn. Uh, just type in off screen. It's on there. And uh, after the credits, you get a whole extra section. And uh, yeah. and also, you know, it's an award-nominated section as well. So because mm. We need to get an award is, noise whenever we, we do. It. Like like some, some trumpets. Next something. week, we need a gong. That's what it is. We definitely need a gong. In fact, in fact, why don't we just use one right now? Here is our awards gong. And there you go. And, uh, right, so we've been nominated for the British Podcast Awards in the TV, Books and Film category. We've also been nominated uh, for the Listener's Choice Award, which mm. uh, Kermode is up for yeah. as well, so we stand absolutely no chance of winning. But uh, I don't think that's fair, because he's got... I mean, he's, he's all over the schedule, isn't he? And he's got too many yes. mediums, he's got books, he's, he's on TV So well. let's hope, then, that he's spread himself too thin and uh, and see if we can draw up some votes. Like um, the hair gel that he uses to put that quiff into place. I'm pretty sure it's Brook Room. I th- I'm, I'm telling you now. Oh, it might be that Dax stuff. Remember that? Ask him. And then we'll, saying, we will tell all. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to ask him on Monday. That's how, I'm going to ask him. All right, but we need your vote in the meanwhile. So please, if you even vaguely like this show, if you can tolerate even just Case, if you can't stand me, that's fine. If, if you just like Case, just go on to BritishPodcastAwards.com <laughs> forward slash vote and vote for off screen. Notably, not the one with a hyphen in it because there is yeah. another show. Don't know what I it is. But. Don't just type in Case either. <laughs> type in case we tried to vote for case to win a podcast award but it wouldn't let us <laughs> in which case we'll come back after this with the latest film news and reviews this is off screen the on-screen radio show and we're back and you know where we've got to go now mr allen we've got to go to california in 1969 the summer of love yeah, that was a happy time wasn't it it was weren't, so weren't any yes. any cults weren't any murderous families <laughs> none about they don't hardly got no murders or nothing but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, don't because i had to do a i had to do a reference for an estate agent for a mutual friend of ours the other day mm. and uh, i did I jokingly told him that I had declared he ain't hardly done no murders and nothing, um, which of course it's true. I can vouch for that as well. We we can. Um, that was, which of course, is a line taken from the first Ted movie. Yeah. But uh, right, so Walls at the Door, which comes to us from John R. Leonetti and his frequent writing partner. Great name. Yeah, and his frequent write, uh, writing partner uh, Gary Deb. Uh, Gary Debhauser, I think his name is. That's and they, good, but yeah, okay. They have they have brought us such cinematic gems as the Butterfly Effect Two, and uh, oh, I can sense the tone. And Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation and Annabelle. So really, yeah, because that's what I call failing upwards. That you go really from is Mortal Kombat Two, Butterfly Effect Two. Conjuring spin-off. I don't know if it was the same dude, but did same dude. That made a lot of money. It did make a lot of money, but I think the groundwork was kind of done for him there. To be, I think anyone could have directed Annabelle, but he has now directed this seventy-three minutes long film, which stars uh, Elizabeth Henstridge from uh, most known for Marvel's Agents of Shield. She's Simmons and uh, Casey Cassidy, most known for being Ruby on Supernatural, the good first one, and uh, uh, the Black Canary from yeah. all the DC uh, shows. Lovell. Laurel, Laurel, Laurel. Yeah, the one that yeah. keeps dying and then coming she's, back. She's not dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she's she's died a thousand ways. She's still around. Uh, right. So this is this is the night of the infamous uh, Manson family slayings, the the murders of Sharon Tate and all of her friends. 
for three friends. And basically, it takes place from the perspective of the victims, and it's just played as a straight slasher movie. It is notoriously difficult to find a poster for this film. It is notoriously difficult to find a logo for this film. A clip for this film is next to impossible. Um, I wonder what that could possibly be. Here's a clip. What was that? So, I love Bradley Whitford so much, I'm going to try to link him to most of the films that we're going to be talking about today. Really? So, this film has uh, Jane... How do you pronounce her name? Kazmarek? Kaz, Kazmarek, I think. Kazmarek, yeah. From, Ma- Malcolm's mum. From Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm's mum, yeah. They were married in real life. Bradley no Whitford way! Jane, yeah. Okay, so you're just going to find a tenuous connection from Bradley Whitford to every every movie on our, our docket this week. That's the plan. Will I do it? Stay tuned. We'll I, do you know what? I'm looking forward to seeing you try, sir. Mm. And I'll tell you what, that, what we've just done for like eight seconds, <laughs> so much more interesting <laughs> than Wolves at the Door, um, which is awful. It doesn't have a beginning, middle, or end. In fact, the whole film feels like the second act of a bigger film about the Manson family. Um, yeah, they don't. There's no sort of acknowledgement of the Manson family until the very end when you get the sort of newsreel bit. It is sloppy, lazy, scripted as if it's trying to troll its audience. I mean, of course it's grisly, but it kind of needs to be. Um, noticeably, there is not even a single mention of Roman Polanski anywhere near this thing. And although that's kind of you know removing him from history unfairly, you can't help but feel they kind of did him an unintentional service here. This is awful it is boring it is plodding it drags like you wouldn't believe 73 minutes 73 and i can't help but feel that might be because there was about 17 17 interesting minutes to sort of packed in there throughout and he and john leonetti was challenged Mm. you know defied to try and remove them and make the worst possible product it's almost as if he accidentally did a good job with annabelle and he got home and his wife said to him you know what john i think you've done you've done all a disservice here you've accidentally made something good and given your track record maybe you should try and undo that and he said, I'll tell you what, I'll make it crap again on the next one. And he has. He absolutely has. <laughs> this is Man of his word. beyond terrible. Um, I just, I hate it. I actually hate it. It makes me feel ill thinking about it. Please give me some, some something nice in the news to take me away from this awfulness. Okay. Go on. Dan DeVito is mm-hmm. going to be in Dumbo. He's not actually going to be Dumbo, is he? Oh, what a twist. I would love that. <laughs> I feel like that would be an idea they would have on It's Always Sunny. Yeah, that would work. That really would. Yeah, where they try to do like a music... Like, like we see how successful the live-action Disney adaptations have been, so they, they try to own. make their own, and they cast Frank as Dumbo. Oh my god, that would that be an amazing itself. episode. That really does, doesn't yeah. it? So, well, who, call me. <laughs> who is he going to be? Uh, they've said that uh, 
In fact, I don't know if they have said. They've said that Eva Green is going to be a circus leader's assistant. But mm-hmm. Dan, he's, I'm sure he's the actual he's the ringleader of the circus, isn't he? I don't know if he's going to be the ringleader. I think he's I'll the ringleader, and then the bad guy ringleader buys the circus. Oh over, right, so there's there's a competing there's a competing circus leader who buys his circus. Right, so okay. Tom Hanks will buy Danny DeVito's circus if Tom Hanks is if Tom Hanks actually takes it. I really, it. really want Tom Hanks to do it. I mean, I wanted Will Will Smith to do it, but you know, I mean, the love of being in Suicide Squad Two is obviously. I mean. Yeah. How do, you, how do you turn that down? Man? How do you turn that down? We I mean, got Jada yeah. just being like, "Well, we got we got bills to pay. <laughs> this mortgage don't pay itself, fresh." Jada needs to get his hair rebraided. <laughs> He's only got it done two days ago. Should we move on to the box office top ten for this week? I think we better had number ten. Fifty Shades Crapper. It really is as well. It is. Just the worst. It really is. It's one of those... Because there was a whole thing this week about uh, The Handmaiden. We're getting the sort of preamble for The Handmaiden coming out now. Mm. And uh, I think Peter Bradshaw wrote a piece in The Guardian this week about the return of erotic cinema. And he specifically brought up that Fifty Shades is kind of too watered down for the demographic that used to really enjoy erotic cinema. Basically, the kind of films Adrian Lynn used to produce in, like, the late 80s, and basically the entire reason that Mickey Rourke ever had a career. Remember that? Remember what Mickey Rourke? I do. Had, was do you remember a, was when Mickey Rourke was going to win an Oscar, and then Sean Penn was like, nope. Yep, I do, Look. I do recall, yeah. <laughs> but no, Fifty Shades is just, it's the worst kind of lowest common denominator, made for Cinemax, but lacking the gumption to commit to its nudity, nudity mm. uh, requirements. It is just the worst piece of hogwash you'll find in a multiplex this year, aside, of course, from anyone unfortunate enough to see uh, Walls at the Door. Number nine. La Traviata, say, Metropolitan Opera, and I'm really happy that I pronounced it correctly. I, I'm impressed that you did. But, uh, I am a cultured. Star. I kind of feel like it was all for nothing though, because neither of us have seen it. So uh, it'll DD, as Jay Z said, onto the next one. Number eight, <laughs> Lion Cub. <laughs> lion Cub. Turning into Lion Man. <laughs> <laughs> now see, that's an it's always sunny moment. <laughs> lion Cub turns into Lion, lion Man. man. <laughs> um, no, I like Lion. You liked Lion as well. I'm amazed. This is and this is a non-mover again. This has been at number eight for how many weeks now? It's been out for eight weeks, but it's it's been at number eight for a long, long time. It's got to be at least a month. Mm, uh, that's, that's something like that, yeah. But, uh, no, go and see this. Please see Lion. It, it's great. See it while you can. Obviously, it's riding some awards high still, and fair play to it. deserves it. Number seven. Hidden Figures. I, I couldn't possibly comment on Hidden Figures. I mean, it's not like anyone's talked about Hidden Figures at all or given any publicity. I mean... No, it's a film for our times set... Not in our time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it is. It's very it's much good. It's, it's enjoyable. Um, it is that fluffy, lighthearted. It's really good. Um, I got an answer correct on Pointless the other day because of this film. There was uh, <laughs> there was a question, and one of the answers was uh, the astronauts that goes to space. We have to save. His name ah. is John Glenn, and I got it, and I got like five points, which is a pretty good answer for Pointless. Isn't John Glenn played by Glenn Campbell from uh, Glenn Campbell or Glenn Powell? Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Glenn Campbell. Very different guy. <laughs> very good. Yeah, uh, from Everybody Wants Some. Our yes, favourite yes. character in Everybody Wants Some. Oh, he's some. incredible in that. And uh, Screen Queens as well. And Screen Queens, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I love that guy. Chad Radwell. Yeah, I know. Chad Radwell. <laughs> Just Marvel needs to snap him up. Please, yes. Yeah. Please snap him up and... Make him make him someone in the Captain Marvel film. That'd be amazing. Make him like a like a pilot or something. Oh, no, no. Captain, Captain Marvel is DC. Because the name's like a trick. It's weird. 
No, but they're, they're still... Oh, no, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Captain Marvel. Brie Larson. They're still calling it Captain Marvel. They're still calling it Captain Marvel. Okay, fair As far enough. as I'm aware. That, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no trouble, man. No trouble. No trouble. <laughs> no, it's because Shazam... <clears throat> yeah, Shazam is actually Captain Marvel, isn't it? Like I, that, uh, yeah, it's all... It's a whole Captain weird thing, yeah. and it's never made any sense. And But I don't care. Marvel, you're right, should absolutely hire Glenn, pa- uh, Glenn Powell, who isn't Glenn Campbell. How much is Disney paying you to say that, man? <laughs> <laughs> Number six. Sing. Which we still no Ed Sheeran. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Case. When it gets to like week nine, I might chuck you one in, but I'm not going to torment you till then. Um, well, what's left to say on it? Kids will like it. Adults will tolerate it nicely. Mm. Toe tappingly sing along to it. And there's some celebrity voices there's in some, there. There's some stuff. There's some some colourful stuff, and it's from the Minions guys. And uh, you know, if, if you're inclined to watch it, odds are you're gonna like it. Latest film news and reviews. This is off screen. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, <laughs> should we uh, should we spend some time with our personal shopper? We should, but before we do, let's uh, talk to our pal Bradley Whitford again. Try to link him to personal shopper in some way. Okay. So, yeah, we we were talking about this off air. Okay. So well, the way the way that we managed to link the two together, the so complex get, web we weave. Yeah, and yeah. this is insane. Today, this is yeah. It? This is quite a Herculean. We task. Are, you realize we basically invented the game Six Degrees of Bradley Whitford. Yes. So it's our own our own bacon. Who needs to bacon? Right. So you go. Bradley Whitford was mm-hmm. in Cabin of the Woods. Yep. As was Chris Hemsworth. Yes, he Chris was. Chris Hemsworth was in Snow White and the Huntsman. As the Huntsman. And Snow White was... Kristen Stewart. Who was in... Star of Personal, Personal Shopper. Shopper. Boom! Credit to you, sir. You got that one. Okay, well, we, we see... We, we, it's, like, it's like we do this, uh, this, do this often, you know. It's just, yeah. Well, we've, we've already loaded up the next film as well. We know what, that's, <laughs> what that pathway is going to be. It's going to be a lot <laughs> easier. We have, like, three to the next one. That was the annoying part. <laughs> right, so Personal Shopper, which has been getting some buzz for about a year now, hasn't it? This is by Olivier Assayas. Yeah, um, didn't she win a French Best Actress? I award believe she did. This, yeah. But uh, this is her reunion with Asias, who did uh, Clouds of Sils Maria. Or maybe it was that one she won. She won something. Well, it could be either one, to yeah. be honest, because they both had the same kind of... Uh, is it is Sils Maria, isn't it? Um, Clowns of Sils Maria was yeah. two years ago. Uh, she's now re-teamed... So, um, Ju- Juliette Binoche. It was, yes. But the thing is, Clowns of Sils Maria was, was the one that made uh, Kristen Stewart sort of taken serious. It got her taken seriously a little bit. This is very much one of those as well. So she plays a 20-something American living in, uh, in Paris. An American in Paris. Imagine that. And um, the idea is her brother has recently passed away from a heart condition that she shares, her twin brother, incidentally. And um, she is also, as well as being a personal shopper, she's a medium. Because that's right. just right. yeah, as you do. As you do, yeah, she's also a medium. She is sticking around Paris uh, three months later, even though she has no reason to be. She's actually waiting around to see if his spirit will contact her there. And into this mix as well comes a mysterious, malevolent presence, which seems to be taunting her both um, physically in, in person and by iPhone. This is actually a spirit with uh, with iMessage, genuinely. And uh, this, this is not what I thought this film was about. I, I know, I know. It is a ghost thriller with Kristen Stewart and iMessage. So here's a clip. What are you doing in Paris? I'm waiting. I'm gonna go. What are you waiting for? My uh, brother died here. My my twin brother died in Paris. An accident. No, 
No, heart attack. I actually have the same malformation. Does it scare you? No. I didn't scare him. Ms Stewart there. And, uh, okay, here is the first of two things I'm going to say this week that are going to absolutely flabbergast you, uh, Mr Allen. I'm not easily flabbergasted. I feel like I'm quite unflappable. Prepare to be gasted, if not flabbered. (laughs) But uh, Miss Stewart is brilliant in this. She's been brilliant before. She's actually brilliant. I dislike Kristen Stewart. I've never particularly found her an enjoyable presence. And yet... She's so perfect for this film. Mm. Uh, don't go wrong, this is not a mainstream hit. You know what this harkens back to? Things like Don't Look Now. You know, European set, but American-made uh, horror films mm. of the 70s and 80s. American-made, sorry, not American-made at all. Um, but you know, things like we've Don't got, Look we've Now. We've got like, some American cast members. Like, yeah. But you, it used to be people like I'm Jane Fonda. Isn't, Dan, and, isn't uh, Donald Sutherland uh, Canadian? He's Canadian, yes. So, uh, from that side of the pond but from, from over there from over there, over there. but uh, this is very much a sort of updated take on those kind of films and it really really works I mean it's gorgeously shot there's some fantastic mm. visuals in there but it's a very cool very icy sort of an atmosphere and because obviously the, there is an element as well with the actual uh, presence of ghosts they've created a really interesting take on ghosts which is to have an image which is sort of out of focus and an image that's disintegrating as it were mm. and it's really something to bother they don't over over rely on it but the writing's quite sharp the actual the ultimate conclusion of it is somewhat open to interpretation and you come away and just think wow that worked Mostly, I think, because of Kristen Stewart. Like, I feel if it weren't her in the lead, it wouldn't ever have quite as mm, quite as, as gelled. No, but it does work, and it's quite evident that uh, Olivia Isaias does know how to write for and shoot um, Kristen Stewart. I mean, and her role here is she's basically fearless. It's a really fearless performance. It's really something, and you get to see her absolutely run the gambit. There's depths that I didn't think she could quite reach, that she does almost effortlessly. I thought it was great. And, you know, me and Kristen Stewart, I never thought I would say that. <laughs> yeah, you've got a bit of a rocky, rocky past, don't you? Yeah, yeah, rocky past with her, with her movies. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> after Panic Room, it all went downhill. What well, next? Uh, you're going to pay a compliment to Lena Dunham? Imagine such a bonkers idea. Why don't you give me some news before we finish the top ten? I'll give you some news. Um, in fact, yeah, this is interesting. Let's do let's do a like a pre countdown countdown. I thought you were going to say it was something to do with Lena Dunham. <laughs> We've got Lena so Dunham. Let's talk about Lena. Yeah, she's actually here today. <laughs> she walks in. Um, so um, the UK apparently I wasn't aware of this, but uh, mm-hmm. we uh, voted as a nation for our favourite film soundtrack. Did we? Mm, apparently so. According to uh, London's Royal Albert Hall. Okay, fair yeah, enough. That venue did a survey. Uh-huh. So I have the top ten. Uh, I know right now you're not going to agree with this. Oh, no, no, fair because, enough. Go on, knock right, them down for me. I will, I will knock them down. So starting at 10, starting at 10, Jurassic Park. Okay. Great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Are we talk uh, about score, aren't we? Yeah. Okay, this, score. this is the interesting part. This right, is why okay. I take on with this list. Not soundtrack, because like soundtrack is like, you know, Watchmen. Score is mm. E.T. Yeah, no. Exactly. Right, yeah. So Jurassic Park, 9, Gladiator. Fair. Yeah, yeah, fair. I'll go with that. 8, Back to the Future. Cool. Yeah. Seven, Magnificent Seven. Okay, also, that works. Also love that that is at seven. Well. <laughs> I love it. Big fan of that. It's a good one, isn't uh, it? Number six, Great Escape. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Fairly yeah. iconic, isn't it? Very yeah. iconic, yeah. These do seem to be mostly Singular iconic themes, themes, don't they? Yeah. These seem to be iconic theme songs. And I hit, here is the rub with this. Okay. Uh, carrying on, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I feel like I can't really argue that, but I wouldn't put it at five. 
Okay. Uh, number four, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Just the first one, instead of just saying... Right. Five. Yeah, I know. But the third one has the best score. Mm. Wait for the top three. Okay. Number three, Star Wars. But it just says which, Star Wars. Which Star exactly. Wars? It just says Star Wars. It just says Star I Wars. think that actually does mean A New Hope. When you say Star Wars, I think it, it used to. When yeah. I was a kid, when you, I was well, a kid, yeah, Star because... Wars meant A New Hope. Mm. And, yeah, okay. Yeah. Number two, Chariots mm. of Fire. Again, iconic theme. Iconic yeah. themes. Yeah. And this is where the first one we'll come into. What do you think number one is? Uh, Indiana Jones. No, not in the list. Really? Yeah. Okay, what's number one then? Titanic. What? So hang on, so we've got iconic themes for 10 till 2, mm. and then number one is the one you know the pop song from. In which case, yeah, exactly. why the hell isn't Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves on that list? You know, <laughs> why isn't the song from Three Musketeers in that list if we're talking about <laughs> Brian Adams songs? <laughs> That's got Sting and Rod Stewart. Hey, it's all for love, baby. Yeah, awful one. Awful one. <laughs> awful one, awful love. <laughs> anyway, should we go to number one and continue the box office top 10? Ooh, what a segue. You are getting pro. Mm. Number five. Moonlight. Well, I loved it. You loved it. It's gorgeously shot, well acted, uh, superbly put together. It held not only my interest, but my emotional investment. And I really loved the hell out of this. I mean, it deserved a best picture. Yeah, I'm so happy that it's just back in the top ten and it's got legs. I mean, it's a non-mover this week, isn't it? It's a non-mover? Yeah. Yeah, good. It's just a lot of people just going to and saying, oh, look, Rami's got an Oscar. Do you know what? Fair play to I mean, Trevante Rhodes is currently filming The Predator. The Predator, yeah. With, of course, our boy, uh, Mr. Key. So, I love uh, that cast. It's such a good cast. Oh, who joined it this week? Jake Busey. No! Jake what? Busey has joined The Predator. Really? Yeah, that's actually a thing. How we'll, did I not know that? We'll, we'll talk about it more later, but uh, yeah, yeah, Jake Busey's joined it. Oh. So, But no, Moonlight, you got to check I, it I out. I want to go back and watch The Frighteners now. I know. Uh, Starship Troopers for me, I watched it last week. But uh, <laughs> why do I need a knife and a nuke fight anyway? Anyway, um, <laughs> so Moonlight's amazing, you must check it out. Number four. Viceroy's House. Which is this sort of reductive populist take on uh, on the, the, the partition of India. This is the weird thing. People have been saying, oh, it's a populist uh, sort of sensibility, as if that's a positive thing. Let's not forget, we currently have a US president who's a populist, a populist idea. Who didn't win the popular vote. Didn't win the popular vote, but still. <clears throat> but this idea that populism is a good thing right now is not particularly right. Mm. Um, this plays just like, you know, Downton does best exotic marigold. And the problem is, it can't make up its mind as to what kind of tone it wants. If it wants to be a, a period piece drama, if it wants to be a great sweeping historical romance, if it wants to be a down and dirty political period thriller, I would, you know what, I'd go for any of them. I don't have a preference as to which one of those I'd like to see, but just picking one, rather than this hodgepodge that it actually turns out to be, would be an improvement. Number three. Darkness! No parents! Uh, Lego Batman film. Lego Batman film. <laughs> Just, uh, you, you've obviously seen this and loved it, and yeah. so did I, and loved it. And it's doing well, isn't it? It's, it um, is. Yeah, it's been here for five weeks now. Five weeks, and it's, I mean, it's gone down one spot. And it's still made quite a chunk of change as it well. It really so really It's nothing to be sniffed at. It, it is Not. successful. I think so. I think its current box office worth is $240 million, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, which worldwide. is pretty good, and it seems like they kept the cost quite low. They have kept the cost quite low. It's still two hundred less than the Lego Movie, though. Strangely, because hmm. you would have assumed that Lego Batman would have actually made more than more, the Lego yeah. Movie, but and it kind of deserves to in a strange way because 
even though it is more specific, and actually, weirdly, the worst parts about the film are the parts where it becomes a Lego movie spin-off when the whole Master Builder thing comes up. But other mm. than that, it is a genuinely brilliant animated spin-off. Uh, Will Arnett's perfect in it. In fact, the whole, whole cast, perfect. I, I don't have a weak link in this cast. Do you know what I heard? I heard that uh, Will Arnett is Ben Affleck's favourite Batman. Really? Makes me happy. <laughs> you know what? I always said that Ben Affleck had taste in everything except signing on to be Batman. Number two. Logan. Which I loved. Did you love? I loved. You know I loved. Oh, yeah. Everyone loved. Um, the thing with Logan, I mean, it, it's it's a movie that... It's it's blindingly gristle, gristling violence. Yeah, it has no right to be as good as it is. But that violence only works as well as it does because the, the scenes in between, the dialogue-driven character scenes, mm. are so brilliant. I walked past a man in Waterloo the other day, by the way, a very stuffy middle-aged fellow, turning around to his friend and saying... We went to the cinema and I saw this film and it was called Logan and it was about um, a little girl and a man with knives in his hands. It was excellent. <laughs> and you know what? That I'm just going to let that... Yeah, it sums it up. Though, that, it? that reviews the film perfectly, doesn't it? <laughs> that was his exact voice as well. Number one. Uh, big trouble with a monkey. Big trouble in Little Skull Island. Yep. But, uh, yeah, well, I mean... Kong. Kong. This is Kong a, I, I really liked Kong Skull Island. It's one of those films that there's a, I don't know if you've seen this. There's a lot of pieces being written about revisiting Peter Jackson's version now. Yeah, and do you know what? I watched the first half. Of, first half, first third. It's, first a, it's a long film. Did you, did I you lose that on half a day? Because that's it's a bloody long. It's a it? long yeah. film. Um, I I remember really enjoying that when I saw it at the cinema mm. twelve years ago. Is it twelve years? Two thousand five. Yeah, two thousand five. Yes, roughly about twelve so. years ago. Yeah, I like that, and I've not seen this yet, um, and I will. But I'm going to see other things first. It must be killing you inside. There is a movie starring John Goodman and Brie Larson. <laughs> and, like, it's other people I like as well. Who else do you like in this? I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, obviously. Pretty much, um, like, this This is a pretty great cast. There's no one I, really that is. I dislike. And there's people who I love seeing in big projects like this, who mm-hmm. I love, like, John Ortiz and... Yeah. I mean, I personally, Corey, I think it, Corey Hawkins. Uh, I was going to say could do without Corey Hawkins, but uh, oh, that's a shame because he's uh, he's just not interesting in it, and it might, and that yeah. is unique to him. That's not the film. Don't worry, the film has an issue with its character writing, which is it's basically non-existent. But Corey Hawkins currently on TV is faring just as well on Twenty Four, where he yeah. can't hold your interest there. It's a shame either. because he's so great in Straight Outta Compton. I know that's what's really yeah. annoying, isn't it? But uh, but the thing is, Kong's the star. John C. Riley otherwise kind of owns the show. Well, in fact, it's the John. <laughs> The Johns own this. So, C. Riley and Goodman. So, Good man. Did you see uh, Jeff Bridges uh, presenting him his Walk of Fame stuff? It was incredible. He said, he's a good actor, he's a good man, he's John Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I think that no- nothing sums up John Goodman better than that, I don't think. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. So, Mr. Allen, mm. we're going to have to review Beauty and the Beast, but oh, this, presents you, this presents you with a unique challenge, because, of course, we need a Bradley Whitford link. Mm. I don't know if this actually is a challenge. It seems like the easiest one. In fact, I feel like I could have like I a difficult one and an easy you one. You could do multiple ones with this. That's, yeah. that's In fact, I will. I will make up one, and I will have the actual one. Okay. So, uh, Bradley Whitford was in Save Mr. Banks with Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson is in Beauty and the Beast. She's Mrs. Potts. This is exactly... And then a way more tenuous one. Bradley Whitford's character in The West Wing, his first name is Josh. Yeah. Josh Gad plays <laughs> the <Lafu> in this. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. That is, that is about as tenuous as you <laughs> yeah, can that's, that's pretty... He was also in France in the 18th century. And, yeah. and yeah. used to be a candlestick. Um, of course, yeah. yeah. And Bradley Whitford once used a candlestick to to light a room. Yeah, his, um, his auntie's uh, first name was uh, uh, Gaston. There we are. <laughs> well, okay, so, Beauty and the Beast. Um, you've, you've not been under a rock for 26 years, so I presume you know the plot of Beauty and the Beast. In fact, I know your wife, so I know very well that I, you know the plot of Beauty and the Beast. I have seen Beauty and the Beast... Yeah, at least once a year for every year of my life. That's. I think I've got. I've got it worse. My sister, when she was five years old, played the VHS every single day. Oh, I went through that phase as well. But like, you know, when I was like six. Well, as revenge, I I thought in case the movie was terrible, I would take my sister to the Sunday morning family premiere, and uh, she went along. She went along, and she partook in all the activities. You know, the boomerang videos where you fling roses in the air and have your face painted, things like that. And she came out and loved the film. She absolutely loved it. So obviously, it works for fans. Um, This is obviously the story of the prince who spoilt rich prince uh, with a bit of a vanity streak who. Turns away a uh, an enchantress posing as a poor old elderly woman in need. In revenge, in re- as, re- as revenge, in response, is turned into an unsightly, grotesque beast. And uh, for some reason, so are all the inhabitants of his of his castle, his household staff, because that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now here's where it gets interesting because this version includes a new add-on to that. The enchantress also wipes the memories of everyone who has ever encountered them. Thus explaining once and for all how no one noticed there was a giant hepping castle on their doorstep. That makes sense. It does, doesn't it? Uh, by the way, this also includes family members of the household staff. So, again, plot hole from the animated one, kind of plugged up. Um, right, Bell, Bell's father, obviously, um, in this version, he's an artist. He's going to market, happens upon the Beast Castle, is taken prisoner for accidentally for stealing a rose without thinking. And, of course, Bell, his, you know, ostracized, ostracized bookworm daughter, played by Emma Watson here, um, trades herself for her father. She's kept by the Beast, and she finds herself the potential... The potential... Uh, usurper would it be of this curse because the whole thing that could undo the curse is true love and the idea is this girl could be the one and uh, you know the story and uh, you I feel you... like your french accent is about as good as no no, no no hang on i did that for a very specific reason that is you and regga's accent in this film i I'm i not... know yeah 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 mm. she could be the one right i'm gonna give you a clip and i've picked this one very specifically i will explain why after Jean. Have you lost something again? Well, I believe I have. The problem is, I can't remember what. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure it'll come to me. Where are you off to? To return this book to Père Robert. It's about two lovers in Fair Verona. Sounds boring. Look, there she goes, let's go and strange, no question. She's then distracted, can't you tell? Go on, why does that annoy you, Mr. Elm? Because that clip confirms what I had thought, actually, that it gets rid of um, possibly one of my favourite lines from Beating the Beast. Which one? Marie, the baguettes. Hurry up. 
And the, like it's supposed to be there, and it's not there. Uh, it is done non. It's done as a visual gag. It is there. Right. Right. The film is a beat for beat remake. You know how we talk about Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella and how it actually fleshed out that story because there wasn't really much story to begin with. There was mm. the basic fairy tale element, but the characters didn't have personalities, for instance, or you know subplots or, or arcs or anything like that. They had to be invented for that film. With this film, all the groundwork's been done for them. So really, there's not an awful lot to do, but address some plot holes, give certain characters a backstory that they were otherwise really in need of, case in point, Gaston and LeFou, <laughs> and that's it, really. Other than that, it's beat for beat. There is nothing added to this film narratively that you haven't already encountered. There is this strange character arc afforded Belle, which has to do with her mother, which establishes quite right. why she's so odd. Yeah, because obviously that is not in the, not in the original. Film. But they also do the same kind of thing almost flippantly for the Beast himself. He has parent issues as well, because mm. whatever happened to his parents is never brought up in the 1991 Disney one. If you love the Disney animated 1991 movie, you're going to go nuts for this. Um, the musical numbers that you have cherished your whole life, they're all there, and they've got new, new sparkly arrangements, and they've got some new ones that I think are from the stage musical. Because I yes. think a few from the stage musical have been thrown in as well. I think they have written at least one brand new one. Uh, the, Alan Menken has come back. After Belle goes back to save her dad, there is a musical number The Beast has that I'd never heard before. And it's just it's him alone singing. And I'd never heard this. I presume that is from the stage version. It's probably from the stage version, oh. yeah. But the cast, mostly great. Mostly great. And I say mostly, considering... I don't dislike Ewan McGregor at all, but the accent is just really, you couldn't have found anybody better than this, because it's mm. such it's, it, it is the Yeah, the, I, always, the cliche. I always thought it was uh, strange casting. It, it, it is. I mean, you can see why they've visually done it but you you just it doesn't get, it doesn't get a voice at all, he really doesn't and yeah. bearing in mind, of course, he has to sing Be Our Guest so you get this walloped in your face for about five solid minutes with the, <laughs> put on your napkin round your neck, shitty, and we'll provide the rest. Yeah, at least he can sing, bro. He Not in that is accent. It, is it because he was in Moulin Rouge, do you think? We were just like, Moulin Rouge set in I, France. I, he sings about, he sings really well. It seems Cassin. to be that logic. And also his wife is French. Is she? Yeah. Oh, okay. It seems to be that kind of logic, though. I mean, I will point out that there are other cast members I mean, I, who fare a lot better I, musically. I, I didn't have issue with Ian McCallum, but I know some people had issue with Ian McCallum being Cogsworth. I but like that, him very much. Yeah, but like, yeah. I think they had that because he didn't look physically like Cogsworth, but obviously it's all mocap. Right, so he, getting so. to that, getting to the motion capture and everything, right, here's, here's where it gets really wild. And then this is the worst thing I can say about This is the only bad thing I can say about the film, actually. Right. They've put such visible effort into making all of the household staff in their anthropomorphic sidekick states look so believable. You wouldn't think it. They do. They they work. So Cogsworth, Lumiere, Mrs. Potts, it all works, and it all looks like these are actual physical objects with faces on. And you think, okay, that's impressive. That they've done such a good job then feels almost disappointing when you get to the Beast. And it that just doesn't work. The effects aren't there. Dan Stevens's performance is great. He makes for a really great beast, mm. and he's he's brought enough emotional investment to it that you actually genuinely don't consider the animated version at all at any point. Um, the only problem is he is let down by ropey facial effects. The body is okay, it's not brilliant. The clothes look weirdly plastic and manufactured. Yeah, um, the face. The face oh. doesn't. And you can't figure out, like, the Ron Perlman version looked better than this. 
Remember the Ron Perlman Linda Hamilton one? <laughs> that, I mean, it's difficult to forget once you've seen it. Yeah, that yeah. works better than this version does. But that's all the facial yeah. prosthetics. And Having stuff, actual and... facial fuzz on there would have worked a lot better. If I feel like that's just how Ron Perlman gets up in a day. Like, <laughs> he's, he's uncomfortable unless he has to spend four hours in a makeup chair. <laughs> I think his wife wakes up six hours before him and starts applying things and when he wakes up. That's how he looks yeah. like Ron Perlman. He doesn't know each morning what he's going to wake up looking like. Yeah, his face actually starts like a foot beneath the makeup. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but Emma, uh, Emma Thompson uh, Emma Thompson is great, obviously, naturally, but Emma Watson um, is my second one of the week. Emma Watson is terrific. This is the best performance I have ever seen from Emma Watson. I need a shower, so excuse me. Um, but no, genuinely, I thought it was great. Uh, I really like the writing for Gaston and LeFou. Uh, oh, incidentally, if, you, if you're trying to find a is this better than the animated movie version, uh, think of it in this in this way. Who sings Hurt better? Johnny Cash or Trent Reznor? Same exact question for this. Trent Reznor. You think Trent Reznor, really? Trent Reznor. Okay, this is the Trent I... Reznor version of Beauty and the Beast, but to, to be fair, but... Uh, but um, if, yeah, the, if the original yeah, yeah. was Johnny Cash, this is the Trent Reznor version. I, I like the Johnny Cash one a lot. I think mm-hmm. it's really great, but yeah, Trent Reznor. But yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to love it. Cast are great. Gaston works better now that they've added a whole soldier backstory for him. LeFou, as his sort of lieutenant slash hanger honor, works a lot better. Josh Gad plays it brilliantly. And by the way, if you're one of those people who's offended by the gay uh, controversy thing, believe me, Disney in animated form have done a lot worse than this. Josh Gad may be the most perfect casting. He's brilliant. He's so good at this. But the weird thing is. Something who else you would get? (laughs) All that controversy, it does amount to like a Star Trek Beyond thing. Where he's mm. like, what, what was anyone concerned about? <laughs> yeah, just one throwaway thing. <laughs> it's not the birdcage. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. It's a genuinely terrific film, musically, visually, stylistically, performance-wise. I thought it was great. And here's my big dilemma. Is that film of the week? Or is it, uh, is it Get Out? Have them both. I'm going to say, have yeah. A, have a tie. I'm going to say, well, Get, Get Out only works for the, uh, the 15 and above audience. Oh, so as a family uh, film. So for everyone, there's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And then when you want it to be a bit, little bit blue. Yeah, when you want, when you want a bit, bit of blue for dads. Bit of blue. <laughs> bit of blue. Yeah. Uh, when you get want, out. Yeah, get out. Then get out, yeah. Get out and see Get Out. And then <laughs> when you're coming down from that the next day and you want to just feel comforted, go and see uh, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> see, I'm doing it the wrong way around, aren't I? Beauty and the Beast first. Is that how it works for you? You do the comfort first and then the fright. Yeah. That's all that. I like to be lulled into a sense of security. And, yeah. um, is your wife going with you to see Beauty and the Beast, by the way? Uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, she's of, not, of course. <laughs> she's, she's restraining herself long enough to... to I actually don't know who's you. more excited, me or her. Because uh, I, I thought she... I, I remember we bought her the Cogsworth pop figure. Yes, which yeah. is uh, quite a place on one of our shelves. <laughs> but uh, So, uh, next week, interesting stuff. We've got The Eyes of My Mother, which is the... Uh, that's horror film, I believe it's set in Portugal? Portuguese horror film, I think. Mm. Lost City of Z... Oh, is that next week? That's next week. Charlie Hunnam and Rob Pattinson, I believe, isn't it? Rob Pattinson, great beard in that film. Yeah. Mm. Um, who also, of course, starred with uh, Kristen Stewart in uh, in Twilight. Who, of course, then right, starred with <laughs> Link, Link Bradley Whitford directly okay. to Rob Pattinson. <laughs> right. Uh, Chips is next week. It's Chips next week. Chips is next week. What? Is, I, I feel like I've been asleep for like a month. Yeah, you got Chips is next week. So a bit of uh, Mickey Pena for you there. <laughs> uh, Aquarius. What's Aquarius? That's next week. Hmm. 
I don't know. um, We've also got Another Mother's Son. We've got The Autopsy of Jane Doe. That looks intriguing. And you can't have missed the advertising for this one, Life, the Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal sci-fi movie with your lady, Ms. Rebecca Ferguson, in there as well. So uh, that should be good. Yeah, could be an interesting. It's one. the guys that uh, wrote uh, Deadpool. It is. So this is this is kind of Ryan Reynolds' reward for uh, being right about Deadpool yeah. all along. Have, have a big sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, you did well. Now have a big sci-fi film. Um, so yeah, all those to come more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production, but on screen, I've been Van Cott. I've been Gaston, and we're back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Extra podcasty bits, then, Van. Indeed. So, mm. give me some news then, Mr. Elm, what you got for me? Oh, can news. I just specify, the reason I did mm. use that Beauty and the Beast clip, by the way, yes. was because, that, as you know, that takes place very, very early in the story. Uh, the, you know the bonjour, bonjour, that that song. Um, that's like the, the introduction of your French accent. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. <laughs> I'm just I'm going with the the standard of accent in the film. That was just like generic Euro trash. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And that's my yeah. that's my Euro trip. I, that's that's yeah. it. I'm going that's with good. the Euro trip version of casting. Um, but that's a point at which I realised within within about ten seconds of that song, I thought, you know what, we're gonna be okay. We're mm. gonna be we're gonna be fine. We're, we're in and safe uh, safe hands. We're in safe hands. So there you go. Explanation given. Please news me, sir. We have a domino. We have a domino. We have a domino. I wish I'd uh, mentioned this in the main show. Okay. It's, it's kind of big This news, is domino in, in Deadpool 2, isn't in it? In Deadpool 2, right. yeah. Okay. So uh, the actress, um, somewhat of an unknown, which I really like. I, I like the actress. Name. Um, she's called uh, Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats. Which sounds less of a name, but more of like of an offshoot of, uh, of Beats Headphone by companies? Dre. Yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Zazie Beats by Dre. Um, yeah, but she's, she's like really Beach cool. edition, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I know her a little bit from Atlanta, because I've not finished Atlanta. Oh, of course. Yeah. Is she John Lovell's in... girlfriend? Yes. Oh, that's her. really ace hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, very, yeah. Very cool. She uh, is also uh, in Easy, which is the Netflix show we both really like. Ah, who was she in Easy? Was she... I've forgotten um... her name. She's in showing two episodes. Oh, was she? Because they're all separate ah, stories. The nanny. Was she the... the... Uh, yes. She's the nanny, yeah. isn't she? Yes. I did watch Love. Uh, yeah. Easy, sorry. Easy. Love is the one I'm watching song. Love now. I'm watching yeah. season two. Have, have you finished? Have I've you finished? finished season one. I've never watched season two yet. Uh, uh, I've only seen the first episode of season two. I would have watched it this weekend, but... Uh, <clears throat> There's uh, a certain other show coming out, so... And I don't care about negative reviews. Oh, I know I will watch about. it anyway. I'm going to watch it because I'm a, I'm a completist. I am, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know... If I get to the Defenders, I'm not missing their thoughts. I, I am viewing this the same way that I viewed when Pixar was bringing out Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur. Inverts. We had a year where we had to go yourself. One of these is going to suck. Yeah, <laughs> Just take so, exactly. Yeah. Like if I've got to like injure one that's not as good, I'm mm. going to have somebody better. And this year we've got Defenders and Punisher. Yes, so as long true. as one of those delivers, I'm fine. I'm sure I read somewhere they cast Microchip for the Punisher one, and it was someone I really liked. Huh. But uh, I'm sure you'll find out they did. I'm sure they did cast Microchip, and there's a new trailer apparently coming shortly for the Punisher. Well, it'll be after Iron Fist, won't it? Mm, yeah, they'll be. Well, usually like the opening Punisher. weekend, isn't it? Yeah, or sometimes we'll play it on the actual show. It'll be like the last on the last mind. episode. We're only six weeks away from the next Marvel movie. So, oh, can you believe it? I know. I know. We're six weeks away. Wait, okay, uh, six Ebon, weeks away of the first of three Marvel movies. So, uh, Ebon Moss Barak. Uh, name. I w- I'm sure if I look up, I'll see a picture Ebon of him now. Moss. This must be enthralling. 
podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we do. Yeah, well, that's why he's, we get all the one tree. Oh, I recognise that guy. Is Ev- it? Everyone, everyone, Google Ebon Moss. I can't see his face from here. Is I know. It? Yes, yes, I, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was in uh, One Tree Hill. Was he in One Tree Hill? Do you remember One Tree Hill? That's not what I know. I remember Sophia Bush. Yeah. But uh, okay. anyway, let's talk about uh, Domino because we kind of yes, yes, <laughs> Zazzy beats. See, this this is what happens when we're not allowed to talk about just film. We talk about TV as well. Well, Netflix nowadays kind of overlaps so much with its TV content with film that it's kind of excusable. It is, and I have the king of segues. Go on, because Netflix have bought Awesome Wells as the mm. last film. Which it's was unfinished. Never com- it was unfinished. Yeah. It was never completed. Um, it's a film called uh, The Other Side of the World. And, uh, oh, sorry, The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. And um, what I really love about it is, in the film, the plot of the film is about a director who's trying to finish an unfinishable film. <laughs> which is just like, this is genius. It is a bit, isn't yeah. it? Do you think this might be the Oscar nomination they've so been reaching for? Oh, can you imagine? Oh. Uh, well, not not nomination. Sorry, the Oscar win. Oscar, they've been Oscar win. Um, they are laying it on thick for next oh, year. Really well, for next year and the year after, because they've obviously bought the rights to the Irishman. Yep, that company um, really wants an Oscar. The week of the Oscars, well, a couple of days after the Oscars are finished, they premiered like four movie trailers, like big name ones, yeah. like Okja and Bright. And well, yeah, I mean, yeah. David A is not exactly going to bag them an Oscar nom, but uh, we shall see. Well, he bagged Suicide Squad and Oscar win. <laughs> he did, didn't he? So, well, I, stand you know I, mean? yeah. I stand corrected. The Oscar-winning Suicide Squad, of course. Yes. <laughs> it has to be true-faced, yeah. <laughs> has to, yeah, has to be prefaced mm. with the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, so Domino, I mean, I'm do, not do, overly do, do you know, familiar. Do you know much about Domino? Not, I've, not really. I've read a couple of comics with her in, but I've never read anything that really fleshed her out as a character. I know that she is an assassin who has the ability, mm. that the ability to effectively... Um, uh, manipulate the odds in her favour yeah. of any given... So it makes her a great, for instance, assassin, the sniper. Yeah. Because she her superpower is manipulating the... the mm. So that she always hits. And I think, okay, that kind of, that's kind of good. Although, the thing I noticed about this is, in the rumours, in the weeks leading up to uh, Zazie Beats getting cast... There were so many rumours. There were so many rumours. And did you notice, they were all African-American actresses. They were. There like, was, they were... Uh, Kerry Washington. Yeah. Uh, Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet was yeah. like the day before Zazie Beats. It was, Beats and I was well. like, oh, if it's Janelle Monet. Yeah. But I'm I'm really happy with Zazie Beats. I thought because Janelle Monet was in uh, Hidden Figures, I thought that's Fox as well. It's that's entirely possible. Clinchy, yeah. yeah. Um, I liked the Kerry Washington idea, but I thought, she, I think she's a bit kind of past that now, Kerry Washington. Maybe a little like, bit. Yeah, Kerry Washington doesn't not, seem not to. Because she doesn't, she obviously doesn't look old at all. She's beautiful. She's not but, actually, um, no, she's past it. I think in terms of her career now, she wants to be more the. Uh, the uh, Mainstream thriller producer. That seems to be her goal. Okay. Do you reckon she's just been hanging out with Shonda too long? <laughs> exactly. Or maybe she's going to go the Viola Davis route. Mm, entirely possible. That would work because yeah. she is a TV actress Hang as well. Hang out in TV, and... do fences, get an Oscar. Look, I mean, I say this, I'm a huge fan of Scandal. I, I love me some Scandal. And yeah. for the record, you know, Melly Grant for the win. But, uh, yeah. The only thing I don't like about Scandal is the fact that her surname isn't Scandal. That would just make it. <laughs> her name is Jane Scandal. Jane Scandal. It'd be- I feel like there's not enough shows like that. It's just like named after the surname of the, the lead character. I think well, the thing is, her surname is Pope, and I feel like there would have been a great pun title to do with that. You know, yeah, 
Pope and Glory. Pope and Glory. Pope and Glory. Oh, oh, man. Oh. Yeah. Although, how good is Joe Morton in that show as yeah. uh, Eli Pope? Love him. Really good. Um, hell, it's a show that even makes Scott Foley tolerable. I mean, that <laughs> takes some doing. So what have we covered? We just covered uh, Netflix talking about Orson Welles' uh-huh. new film. Yeah, um, that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. Is, uh, yeah. That film, well, it was, it was 1985 when Orson Welles died, I believe. I Stop think so. Because um, Transformers, the animated movie, came out the year after, and he's the voice was. of yes. Unicron? Yeah. yeah. I think it's Unicron, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which seems to be in the new Transformers movie, by the way. It yeah. seems to be in Transformers The Last Night. Have you said who is uh, voicing Unicron? I don't know, because I know that Anthony Hopkins is an actual person, he's an actual human character, so yeah, he is. he's obviously not him. He's an actual human character, played by an actual human actor, wanted to get actual human money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I kind of hope with all these actors that do transform, I, I hope you know they they do get paid to the extent that they never need to work again. Like, I hope the reason T.J. Miller did the well, last one, for instance, is because you know, <laughs> printing my own money here. I don't know. I think that was a lateral move just to kind of get him some more notoriety, and now he is an emoji. Yeah, he is. He is an emoji. True. Yeah. But uh, oh, let's talk about the salesman real quick then. Um, do that. I'm going to try and find my Bradley Whitford link. This is going to be tough. <laughs> okay, it's going to be a tough one. So, this, of course, the big thing with The Salesman is that it won the Best Foreign Film Oscar this year. It did, yes. Yeah. So a lot of people thought it was going to be uh, Tony Erdman, which yes. you absolutely love. I and love Tony Erdman, yeah. Know. up until about a fortnight before the actual Oscars, it looked like it had it in the I bag. think we can basically thank Trump, Trump for this win, can't we? Yeah, you which, know. you know, the director of this did. Kind of did, you yeah. Know, Foxy, like, through... Well, this is the thing, because obviously the the travel ban came in. Asghar Fahadi, the writer-director of this film, uh, specifically then said, even though he was allowed to travel into the US the ceremony, he wasn't going to on principle because what it represented. Um, He sent, didn't he send the first female Muslim astronaut in his place? Yes, which which is amazing. Let's be honest, as far as middle fingers go, that might be one of the all-time greats. Like, that is much better than Marlon Brando sending a Native American... Oh, God, yeah, 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 totally. Absolutely. But, um... (laughs) Speaking of the Oscars, by the way, have you started watching Feud? Yeah. Oh, no, I've not started yet. I forgot about this. Have you started? I watched the first episode. It's amazing. The casting is so good. And we haven't even gotten to who the hell Kathy Bates is supposed to be playing yet, but she's great in it. (laughs) And also, weirdly, looks 25 years younger. Anyway... Off, off topic. Um, so we know this. We know the salesman largely through the controversy around its Oscar nomination and eventual win. Um, what you've actually got because he's two for two, isn't he? Didn't he win an Oscar for a separation. He did, back. yeah, which is great. Which is great. Yeah. And now you've got, of course, this. Which spoiler alert is also great. Mm. And now I didn't know the plot of this. I didn't realize that the title "The Salesman" refers to the Arthur Miller play "Death of a Salesman." which is performed within the film. So you've got the character and his wife, and they are uh, the central character, who is a teacher. He's also doing, on, on the side, he's sort of a, an amateur player, uh, amateur stage player as well. He and his wife are starring in an adaptation of of Death of a Salesman. Whilst all this is going on, um, one night he's out shopping, there is a, a break-in at their home, and his wife is assaulted. And he sets out on this sort of, uh, as well as trying to reconcile what happened in his head and and figure out what he can do as her husband. He also, at the same time, has this this need, this burning desire to track down the person responsible for it by any means necessary. Because the attacker, who'd, who'd you know, been chased out of the building anyway, left his pickup truck behind and his hmm. phone. So 
Yeah. Huh. So he uses these to try and find out exactly who it was and bring them to justice. It never, and believe me, when, when, it, when it gets there, you, you're just going to be blown away. It leads to it's, it leads to a scene that you just you can't believe when you're watching it unfold. You just can't believe this is happening. It's just, wow, this is just not what I expected this was going to be. This is wow. I mean, it is a fantastic stage play in its own right. Like I feel like you could take this on as a stage play, and it would be absolutely terrific. I mean, it's set and filmed in in Iran as well. Uh, it stars uh, Shahab Hosseini. As uh, as Imad, the, uh, the the teacher, as his wife, I believe you have uh, Tarana Ali Dusty, Ali Dusty, sorry, and uh, half Arabic, and I can't pronounce these things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that you tried to tried attempt. that. I tried yeah, it. Yeah, 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 but no one can accuse me of being ignorant because at least it's semi my own culture. So you know, there's that. Um, <laughs> I'm self ignorant. That's what it is. Um, and she is absolutely terrific. I mean, he gets obviously the lion's share of of the screen time because it's the story is about his response to and his reaction to. He gets the kind of narrative heavy lifting, but boy, does she get the emotional heavy lifting, and she really delivers. It's a it's a film that it's slow burn, but you're never less than perfectly interested. You or you're constantly engaged in it. And I just, I, I really, I couldn't look away from it. I thought it was genuinely terrific. When it builds, though, to the the big, the big reveal, the big third act scene, and it is basically the third act in itself is basically one big scene, mm. and it's just something to behold. Just amazing. It's amazing, really something, and it will take you through the ringer. It involves, I mean, it's got a confrontation that you just, you just can't imagine, and and not in a sensationalist way either. It's one of those times that you step back and think, wow, I'm actually, I'm kind of impressed that so many Oscars just sat through this to actually vote for it. Or were they just reading the paper? Because this, believe me, considering the favourite was Tony Erdman, you yeah. could not ask for anything more of a polar opposite. You really couldn't. Sounds very, like very, very different films. And yeah. um, I don't get that. So go on, give me your, so, your Bradley Whitford link. Go on. Right. So you said that within this, there's, mm-hmm. um, there's uh, Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller's. Def- I knew you were going to go down this route. I, knew it was, it. It was, I could go down, and even this is pretty bloody tenuous. Okay, go you're, on. You're going to hate this because it's the only way to do it. <laughs> go on. Right. So, Death of a Salesman is within this. Yeah. Death of a Salesman is by Arthur Miller. It is indeed. Arthur Miller recently had a tribute Broadway production put on in his name. Yes. Within that production mm-hmm. was Bradley Cooper. Yes. Bradley Cooper's first name is Bradley, as is Bradley Whitford. F*** you. <laughs> that was so difficult. <laughs> so hard. Just f*** you, guys. <laughs> like, I feel like I need to lay down after doing all that research. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that is... Wow, you really you really went for it, huh? <laughs> I had to bring it. Well, you probably got about three minutes to come up with a, a tenuous link between Bradley Whitford and an olive tree. So you know, make it that way. I'm you sure want. that he's he's stood next to an olive tree in his time. I, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right, oh, hang on, hang on. I've Go got on. one. For, I can do that one for you. Oh well, yeah. I will. I will flip it. I'll let, yeah. I'll let you. Just, do that just one. off the top of my head, this is how you connect Bradley Whitford to the olive tree, right? Bradley Whitford was in Sense of a Woman. With Al Pacino. Yeah. Al Pacino was in The Godfather. <laughs> and of course, what's the oh. family business in Godfather? They yeah. own the Jenko Olive Oil Company. There you go. <laughs> that, oh, that was good. <laughs> That's not bad for an off the cuff. I Come feel on. like we're going to spend an hour after recording uh, this just doing that. Just deflating. <laughs> anyway, let's, <laughs> speaking of deflating, 
DCEU. Let's talk about that for a oh, minute. Oh, wow. Oh, what they've done now? Which one? Um, so, Man of Steel 2 is oh, yes. happening, apparently. That's, that's going to be a thing. So, um, there was rumours... I'm looking forward to 2025 as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know when they finished all the ones that they've got on the docket and they get around to Man of Steel Man, 2? we will be long dead before <laughs> Man of Steel 2 rolls in. Well, Trump will see with that, don't worry. That's it, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, he's the one that's going to be directing it. <laughs> yeah. might, might as well. Like, well, he's, he's got enough. Like, I can direct films. films. I can direct all of the films. best films. <laughs> I direct the best films. <laughs> well, he does no words, so yeah, he has the best words. Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah. words uh, that don't even exist, like Bigly. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Matthew Vaughn is uh, being hired to direct Man of Steel Two. Wow, I mean, yeah, I... that is that is shooting for a name. Well, he, did, he has directed an X-Men movie, so... He has, so he yeah. has former superheroes. Um, he's finishing off with Kingsman Golden Circle right now. Yeah, isn't that yeah. later? That's like November this year, isn't it? Yeah, it's October, November, yeah. Mm. I'm looking forward to that, because it was it was such a nice surprise. Oh, it'll be fun. It, it'll definitely be fun. Yeah, I I don't think I've disliked any of his films. Not his direct films, anyway. Like, I didn't yeah. like Kick-Ass 2, but he was only an exec producer. Or maybe just a producer. I think he is just a producer. He's it's a producer, right, yeah. Wad- Andrew Wadlaw? Yes. Someone Wadlaw yeah. directed it. Um, yeah, I couldn't stand Kick-Ass 2. And bear in mind, they lost... And, and that's after they cut out the garish rape scene. I still thought it was too excessive. Mm. But, I mean, have you read the comic book? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. the, uh, mm. the Lindsay Fonseca character in the comic book is, is quite viciously gang-raped. Yeah. But uh, whereas the movie obviously turns it into an erectile dysfunction joke because... Ha-ha, <laughs> McLovin! Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, as far as uh, Matthew Vaughan's work goes, yes, I agree with you. I've not actually disliked any yeah. of his films. I like and, Stardust. Uh, I didn't think I was going to like Stardust. Is Mean Machine one of his? That might be his first. I oh, think oh, actually, it is. is it that and then Layer Cake? I think Let's he did Mean Machine and then Layer Cake. Because I like Mean Machine in a very strange way. I know I shouldn't. I know hey, it's 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 the Juggernaut bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that did that did actually wind up in his X Men? No, not in the X Men movie. He left, wasn't it? He started work on X Men Last Stand because that's why Vinnie Jones is in it. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that he actually worked on that. Oh, thing. no, no. He was the first director for X-Men The Last Stand. And then... He cast Vinnie Jones in it, and then he left. Right, so he did not direct Me Machine. Did he, he's write, a producer. Did he write it, or probably... Because he's, he's probably a producer. I'm sure he's a producer on, like, Lockstock as well. Yeah, producer on Lockstock, uh, producer on Snatch, producer on Me Machine, mm-hmm. producer on Swept Away. Oh, well. What can you say to that? Best friends with Guy Ritchie, weren't he? Yeah, you know what? Sometimes you've got to protect your friends from themselves, you know what I'm saying? He's, just, he's a producer on, like, all the British gangsters. It, Harry Brown? <laughs> you know what TV show starts, either has started this last week or starts this next week? What's that? Snatch. Yeah, with Rupert Grint. With Rupert Grint starts yeah, this, this coming be, week. I would be interested to watch it. Yeah, I would, because he was on uh, Corden the other night. Yeah, he was. Really good lineup on Corden, where you had Pat, Sir Pat Stu. Sir Pat Stu. Uh, Rupert, Dan, Rupert Grint Dan and Dan Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, which and is great, because he's, he's his well, son. Thing. Patrick Stewart didn't know that. Did he not? Patrick Stewart didn't know that until Dan Stevens told him. And Dan Stevens, by the way, has the most brilliantly eclectic taste in shoes. Can't can't fault that. The last thing I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was talking the other night to, to uh, Kelly Newton and John, John Coulson about uh, The Guest. Mm. We were talking about um, The Guest being a sexy movie. 
That's like, oh, it's, it so is. it's a really sexy film, and and Dan Stevens, you know that guy, guy's got serious screen appeal in there. And we were talking about the scene in which he walks out the bathroom wearing the towel, and she's talking to him, and it's you know you can feel the sexual tension in that scene. Mm. And I I, I summed it up to Kelly Needham's. That's a scene you watch, and you're just yelling at her to the extent of saying, "If you're not gonna." F- him i will um <laughs> it's, it's just i will that i will take that television screen and make it my own because <laughs> <laughs> it's a really hot scene but uh yeah, yeah. He's, he's a handsome man he, that, that he's a good yeah. looking man he is a good looking man um <laughs> but uh, sorry, we were talking about matthew vaughn we've uh, had some crazy segues we really today. have just tangential Oh, we? We, we really have. Um, oh, did, did I tell you? Uh, did you know Edward James Olmos is returning to mm. Blade Runner? Yes, I saw it today, actually. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. Uh, who, who did he play in the first one? Gaff. Gaff. He was the other Blade the, Runner. Yeah. The, the only other one we saw. With a stash. With yeah. his, his psychotic stash. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh, I, yeah. I want him to have that. Oh, man. I just. I, I, there's something about Edward James Olmos mm. that he's always been so odd. Mm. But at the same time, he, I, I feel like he was Morgan Freeman before Morgan Freeman, and yet younger than Morgan Freeman. Like a like a Latino. Morgan yeah, it, it's yeah. very strange. I mean, because he t- in years since he's obviously turned up in Battlestar Galactica, Dexter, things like that. Yeah. Even Agents of Shield. I saw him as a bad guy in an action film a couple of years ago. Wasn't I have it? no uh, idea when was he a bad guy. Two guns. Oh yes, you Mark are right. Mark, you yeah. are right. Mark. Yep, totally. Um... No, he turned up. He's one of the surviving directors of Shield after Hydra. Ah, yeah, because he challenges Coulson. Anyway, um, but yeah, he's gonna be in uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Are you are you excited about Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I am, isn't it? That's October this year, isn't it, Blade Runner? Uh, I think so. Yeah. The thing with Blade Runner is there's so much secrecy around it. I know that you think you could even, really even make that teaser trailer that we've seen doesn't give anything. Show an awful lot. Oh, have you seen that meme? <laughs> <laughs> There's a meme that's the publicity shot of Harrison Ford and uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. When Harrison Ford's wearing that t-shirt. Yeah. yeah, Ryan Gosling's got the coat on, and the caption reads, Mr. Ford, it's time for your wardrobe fitting. Ford, f*** you. <laughs> and then the, staff, the staffer's response being, okay then. <laughs> and, and then he goes and crashes a plane somewhere. <laughs> and he goes and crashes a plane. Which is absolutely true, because why is, why is one of them wearing a coat and the other one's just there in a t-shirt? I don't know. But uh, especially the old man. The old man should be wearing the coat. But you would think. You would think. You would think. Yeah. But, uh... This is a replicant. <laughs> Maybe this is it. Maybe we're actually confirming. I don't think he could be a replicant though. He's aged, hasn't he? Replicants can't age. Maybe it's a new replicant that built him to look old. That may be like entirely possible. Is actually gone now. What? And and the, uh, the original uh, Deckard is gone. Oh, okay. Well then. Yeah. I don't know. Come on, Denny, give me something. It's Tell true, me. it's true, it's true. Yeah, I feel like, other than it just being Blade Runner, I feel like that is what's really, really making me want to see that film, is Denis Villeneuve. Oh, after after Arrival. You, after yeah. everything he's made. <laughs> Up I to mean, and including Arrival. Well, that's the thing. For years, I want, for years when they were talking about doing a Blade Runner sequel, I always thought, oh, well, Christopher Nolan's your man. And the thing is, exactly. Denis Villeneuve has kind of out Nolan Nolan now, and now in a short amount of time. Exactly. And now it's like if anyone's gonna like remake Memento, I know they are, but if anyone's gonna do a decent <laughs> yeah. version, get to the yeah. get him. If you want Yeah. If you were like a prestige two, a two prestige two prestigia, get Denis. Two abra two cadabra. Oh that's pretty <laughs> awful. <laughs> How would you do that to Inception? Uh, Inception Inception. I don't know. I don't know either. 
don't know. Nah, that one's going to escape me. So, yeah, just talking about Beam and Beast and Disney having live-action remakes okay. and whatnot. Um, you know that we are getting uh, Mulan. I do, yes. I think Mulan might be the next one, actually. I think it is. I think Mulan's the next one. And then, yeah. it's a, and then I think it's either Aladdin or Lion King. I think the way that it's working now, they've got so many in pre-production, and then we're just going to have like a year where they have like three or I actually, I think the next one after Mulan is Aladdin, because this week they are casting the, unknowns yes. for Aladdin and Jasmine. And they've announced the production dates, but I forgot what they are. Mm. But they're pretty soon. So they're really pushing that. Because nobody thought it was going to be Guy Ritchie's next film after King Arthur, Sword of or whatever it is. I'm just going to put it out there. I mean, they want, apparently, uh, Middle Eastern-looking uh, actors between uh, 25 and 35 to audition for Aladdin. Yes. Now, I have considered it. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'll put it down to two things. One, my face is too fat for me to risk shaving. If Van I shave, I, I, I think, lose the illusion of a neck. I think you may be able to go as one of, like, the palace guards. I Do you know the ones with, like, like, the big... No, I thought I thought I could audition for the market vendor, the one which has to take Jasmine's hand. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I thought I thought market vendor, but then I thought no, because then I'll make an enemy for life out of Omid Jalili, because that's clearly that's his clearly role. His role, yeah. yeah. Clearly that role has been earmarked for Omid Jalili. Do you remember like the late nineties, two thousands, where it was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was Gladiator, <laughs> Mummy, and Omid uh, Jalili were just turned. Hey, up. I remember when he turned up in Sex and the City too. Oh my, come yes. on! Is it? He's like a hotel manager. He's the hotel manager in Abu Dhabi. Um, you know, because all, all, all we yeah. brown people look alike, you know? That's yeah, what it is. and that film We like, all just look alike. Exactly. And <laughs> we could come from anywhere. So <laughs> Antonio Banderas plays an Arab so often. The, but, the mall crooks of Sex and City 2 is solved with bags and shopping, isn't it, I believe? <laughs> no, it's lingerie. It's lingerie, that's the one. They're, they're yeah. wearing the, the expensive... Oh, it's lingerie or designer clothes? They're just wearing designer clothes under the, the burkas. I'll be it. honest, by the time that Liza Minnelli had showed that film, and that was quite early oh. in the film, I'd already checked out. I mean, I'll be honest, the only thing I remember about that film is very much enjoying Alice Eve in it. But, I forgot uh, she was even in it. I mean, it's a film that genuinely angered me. Um, that, that opening with, with the TV, when she when he buys the TV and she goes off at him, and you're just like, you utterly spoiled Yeah. Jesus. I also don't like the film, because doesn't she break up, doesn't um, Samantha break up with um, Smith? Smith film? Jared? Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe she does. What are you doing? You're not going to get better than Smith. Oh, I know. I feel like we're just outing ourselves to be massive fans of... Not even massive, just, just casual I'm, fans. I'm, but I'm I, sure I like I've told you this, but part of the reason I, I dislike Sex and the City as much as I do is because years and years ago... I thought you liked it. I didn't realise you disliked it. <laughs> no, so you're putting it on a front now. <laughs> no, years and years fan. ago, I was I was seeing a girl, um, and uh, it, was, it was very casual, and on an episode of Sex and the City, which was on Wednesday nights on Channel 4 at that point, the central plotline was uh, Carrie asking the question, what are we? And during the ad break of that episode, I got a text message saying, what are we? And, uh, uh, yeah, we didn't yeah. have block contacts back then on phones, you see. You couldn't just block someone out your phone. And, so uh, when you say, "What is it like a defined relationship? Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. So that was when I decided I hated Sex and the City. And um, yeah, mm. and my life has been better for it. <laughs> well, there we are. If if SPJ is given us anything, <laughs> SPJ. No, what's the SJP? SJP. SJP. <laughs> Come on, three letters. That's, so far, that's far too many. So <laughs> uh, were you thinking RDJ? Is that yeah, what? I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was actually in your head for a minute. You were. Yeah. You were. Yeah. Where everything is about RDJ. Everything is. Like, <laughs> if you just go inside your head, it's just mm. it's posters of them everywhere and. Oh, hang on. Bradley Whitford connection to Sarah Jessica Parker. He's going to go through Nicholas Cage somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, right, so the olive tree. Because um, there's, a, there's a completely nonsensical subway. Yeah, what, what was your olive tree link for Bradley Whitford again? 
Uh, the, he starred in Central Woman with Al Pacino, yeah. who of course starred in The Godfather, where they own the olive tree. The family business is Jenko Olive Oil. Do it. I'll do the next one. There you go. Um, so, the <laughs> the olive tree, which is a uh, Spanish sort of familial uh, dramedy, as it were. I sort of, actually, it, it leans more towards just being a really light-hearted drama rather than a dramedy. Um, it's... The, the, the general plot you've got is a you've got a twenty year old girl named Alma. She's played by Anna Castillo. Um, she's a little she's a farm girl. She uh, the grandfather lives with them, and the idea is that he is uh, he's you know he's getting on in years. He's succumbing to uh, a, you know just a form of senility. He's now become mute, and the family are debating whether or not to put him in a home. And they're all leaning towards the extended family are all basically in agreement. We want to put him in a home. She's the lone voice that right. doesn't want him committed. And committed, is that the word? Not really, is it? But put in the home. But the idea, she, she realises the only way to get him to speak again is to track down the one thing he, he loved more than anything in the world, which was the family olive tree, which his children sold years earlier when his condition started to become this way. And by getting it back, she thinks she'll be able to reach him and spare him the home. However... Uh, what she then discovers is the family sold the olive tree to a ruthless and evil corporation with a history of bad environmental policies. So she, her uncle, and her platonic friend-zoned BFF, who of course is quite clearly in love with her, set off on a road trip to recover this olive tree. We don't have a clip, obviously, because it's all in, in Spanish, but uh, it is really something. And it's, it's something because it's really charming and it's really likeable. It doesn't particularly have any ideas above its station, but its station is simply to I'm going to just you know captivate. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit of whimsy. I'm gonna keep you going. These are all likable characters. We're gonna make sure that you come away loving these people, and you do. And a lot of it is Anna Castillo's uh, Anna Castillo's character. She's terrific. She's got a real presence. I don't know what to say. She's you can't really define it. There is just a quality to her that you instantly love. Um, in the meanwhile, you've got Javier Gutierrez as uh, as the uncle, uh, whose name I can't even pronounce, and Pep Ambrose as uh, Rafa, the Lovelorn BFF, as I say. And the the trio make for a really good, really good on screen company. Um, I do like uh, the visual style of it. By I can never, I'm going to give you the name, see if you can pronounce this because I can't. And. <sighs> Yeah, that gas, no, that I gas, can't. I'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna, that's, I'm that's, gonna that's say, not how you pronounce it. I'm gonna say, Isia Bolain. I'm gonna say. That sounds good. But, I, I guarantee you that'll be wrong. But she's done a terrific job here. This is a film that really, I mean, it is largely set on farms, you know, sort of, and uh, not glamorized, you know, Kansas like farms, but realistic, muddy, dirty farms. farms. And, Somehow she manages to make this call quite charming. The rustic aesthetic of it really works. But you will laugh, and you will sort of be moved by it, and you'll you'll go along for this ride. And it does all come together for this this just absolutely delightful sort of emotional emotional arc. I mean, the fact that it, I mean, it ultimately builds to a scene of three characters eating sandwiches, and yet somehow that's a result. I, I can't really think of much more to say other than that. If you can manage that, but that's the thing. You've got. An impressive female talent in front of the camera, an impressive, impressive female talent behind the camera, and you think, okay, that's intriguing. The week that Beauty and the Beast comes out, but uh, take note, Disney. Yeah, take note, Disney. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we're kind of blown away by that one. Cool. Um, I'm going to give you my link for Gleason now, but I'll do some news in between. Okay, okay go on. so because I can tell you worked hard on this, I really have. Yeah. The, the link is this. Go right. for it. 
Gleason is the title of the next film that we're going to be reviewing. Yes. The last one for this week. Okay. Gleason is the surname of Paul Gleason. Okay. Who plays the really rubbish police chief in Die Hard. <laughs> okay. There is another cop in Die Hard. Yeah. His mate, uh, Al. Played Al by, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, played by uh, Reginald Val Johnson. He is, yes. Reginald Val Johnson was in a show called Heart of Dixie on the he CW. He was, yes. Also in that show, playing a doctor, was an actor called Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson. Yep is Vice President Hoynes on the West Wing. Oh, my with God. <sighs> Can we talk about Jake Busey? Uh, yes, do it. <laughs> talk about him. Okay, so Jake, Come on, that was impressive. That was good, that was good, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel, though, that it, it's like, like using Cabin in the Woods, using the West Wing is kind of a cheat, because everybody's been in the West Wing. Yeah, at least, as a, like, J.K. Simmons was in it for an episode, uh, Nick Hoffman is in it. Matthew Perry was in it, wasn't he? For many episodes, yeah. yeah at yeah. least, like, ten. But yeah. uh, didn't Josh? Didn't uh, Bradley Whitford's character Josh date uh, Nancy from Weeds? Uh, yeah, they're kind of like an on yeah. again, off again sort of thing. Man. Did you know, by the way, that J- Jordan Peele's uh, significant other is Chelsea? Yes, Peretti. I did. Yeah, and uh, she's pregnant. I right did not now. know that. Yeah. I did yeah, not yeah. know that Chelsea Peretti and Jordan Peele were a couple. That hmm. uh, makes you wonder who uh, who uh, Keegan Michael Key's dating, huh? Uh, I'll find uh, out. Eh. I think he's married, but I don't know who to. But uh, well, she's got to be impressive. She's going to top Chelsea Peretti, man. But, uh, <laughs> right, so Jake Busey has joined The Predator. Um, as usual with this film, there's complete secrecy, no details. Yep. You know, We just about know who's in it, and that's it. Oh, it's got a bit more of a suburban setting this time. And a couple of the characters are Marines who serve together and seem to be united while they're on leave. Like They're all on leave at the same time, so they've come together kind of thing. I know Trevante Rhodes and Boyd Holbrook serve together in the marines but when you see the that, cast that's all they've said really yeah when you see the cast though together most of them do look like serving marines like tom jane and uh alfie allen you think okay yeah i believe you all you're a squad together but uh jake busey this is gonna be good if you've got jake busey and of course you know the real thing the really interesting thing is that his father was in predator 2 yeah of course yeah because yeah. gary busey uh took over the arnold schwarzenegger role in predator 2 well, well, the role that was meant to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, then, of course, Schwarzenegger turned it down because he said, this won't make money. And, uh, and he was right. Uh, and and uh, so they had to rewrite the character, and that's where they came up with Agent Keys, uh, rather than Major Dutch Schaefer. But, uh, by the way, did you know The Nice Guys is on Netflix now? I did. I would like to rewatch it, actually. I'm, I'm going to rewatch it, I think. Yeah. I, I might uh, find a break in Iron Fist this weekend and give that a watch. So you say, take a break, you'll watch one episode, and you'll be like, good God! <laughs> watch, watch anything else and then go back to it. Um, casting news. Have, uh, mm. have you heard about Escape Plan? Yes. This is, this is of course, we're excited about this because, you know, director Stephen C. Miller has, has taken the reins and we all know that that can only lead to amazing things because we've all seen uh, Extraction. Have have we all? Yeah, Extraction. And uh, what was the Nicolas Cage one the other week? Uh, Arsenal. Arsenal. Slash Southern Fury. <laughs> Southern Fury sounds uh, like a fried chicken restaurant, doesn't it? It sounds like a knockoff of... Do you know when you go to, like, a supermarket and they have, like, their own version of, like, Jim Beam? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> a knockoff of yeah. Comfort. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Well, of course, he's directing uh, Escape Plan 2, isn't he? He is, but, and uh, he has someone new. He yes. does. Well, 50 Cent's back. Look at that. Oh, I didn't hear that. Um, 50, 50 is, Cent's back. Is Arnie back? Uh, no, that one, I've not announced anything on that. All we know so far is Stallone is back, but we're not sure in what capacity. And uh, now we have uh, Dave Batista. Batista. I wonder if he's going to be the lead. That'll make sense. That'd be interesting. Or if... I feel like he's he's kind of like big enough a name now. 
Well, I feel like Batista could potentially be the new Arnie role. Yeah, well, maybe that. Maybe that's it. I, yeah. I'd go with that yeah. because you know, it's like, if it's a similar kind of thing, yes, he he's going another, goes into another mm. prison, teams up with Batista. Like, I feel, I feel like with how this film is being made, it's not going to be <laughs> the lead. No vehicle that he needs but I think he, he'd be really good with like his own big yeah, yeah. the big lead film, is yeah. going to be whichever Chinese uh, Chinese star they put in it because obviously the movie's being designed to sell in China yeah it's uh, shooting in China isn't it it is yeah it totally is but about uh, China money <laughs> you got to have them China bucks man <laughs> got to have them China bucks but uh, no there's um, oh did you hear uh, the Joe Wright thing you know Joe Wright dropped out of the lifeboat did he? Which, uh, was was it like a helicopter or something to pick him up? <laughs> Sorry, you know the life. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. The life was that new Anne Hathaway movie. Yes, yeah. I, I didn't hear that he'd uh, dropped out. He dropped out, but he's been replaced uh, with the director of Mustang, whose name oh, I can cool. never remember. No, but I, guy. I, I liked so. Mustang. Yeah, but, uh, I liked it. We gave that a good review. I, I've cool. got a picture of Zazie Beats here, by the way. But uh, doesn't she look cool? Her hair is amazing. It is, isn't it? I love that hair. I'm jealous. Yeah. But, have you started watching uh, Blackish? You started. Watching- I have started watching Blackish. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I am quite the fan of Blackish. Yeah. Um, yeah just her, her hair reminded me how uh, Rainbow's hair is in that show, like big, <laughs> big throw. Awesome. I was watching really cool. Blackish, and he keeps referring to her exclusively as Bo. As Bo. Yeah. So I thought her name was Bo, like Bo Derek. I no, no, really it's, it's short, short for Rainbow, Rainbow because yeah. her parents are like hippies. Yeah. Are you, are you enjoying the show? Very much. I enjoy, I've enjoyed it a lot more since the introduction of Dion Cole. Yes. Um, who Charlie I think is incredible. Is wonderful. Yeah. And should just, I think he needs his own series now. But also, I find... Just, I just love how he talks. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I miss him doing stand-up on Conan. I thought he was yeah, great. Yeah, he was, he was amazing, right? But, uh, but you know what? He's moving on to bigger and better things. Fair play to him. Blackish, mm. very, very good. Really enjoyed it. Um, the episode I watched the other day, which had flashbacks to uh, when the, the dad was a boy himself, and you have young Lawrence Fishburne uh, <laughs> opening his bedroom door yeah. saying... This, take, taking the door off the frame and saying, this door comes back on the day after you move out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Lawrence Fishman, Live Fish is so good about Oh, he is, he is. He's quite likeable. You can tell he's just enjoying himself. Because he's yeah, a producer on it as well, isn't time. he? Yes, he is, uh, as is, uh, is Anthony Anderson. But I'm just waiting for the day when Gina Torres makes a cameo. But I'm, I'm only about halfway into season one, so I can't I won't, I won't spoil anything. No. Um, did you hear about uh, Fede Alvarez? being confirmed to direct, Ooh, yes. uh, the girl in Spider's Web. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. Did I hear right that they're recasting the girl, as it were? Yeah, I think they're recasting the cast, not just the girl. <laughs> I think uh, no Daniel Craig, no Rooney Mara. Oh, well. But I know it's it's being aimed for no, next year. No uh, Croatian guy from ER whose name escapes me. But oh, Goran Viznik. Viznik, yeah. From Viznik? Uh, uh, Practical Magic. Yes. Yeah. Also, uh, he's the villain in Timeless. Have you started to watch it? Is it good? I, I watched the whole first season. I really liked it. It's, oh, it's goofy as hell. Yeah, it, it seems yeah. very uh, Legends of Tomorrow. No, it's more straight-faced than Legends of Tomorrow. A lot more straight-faced. Mm. But, uh, yeah. But good, though. You kind of like it. You, you know, you'll like it. It's only 13 episodes. Like that. We've talked a lot about TV. We have. Yeah. Can I just point out how awful the Taken series is? Because I, I started to watch it. It is really bad. It, put it this way, it's so bad, I can genuinely claim it's the worst thing Jennifer Beals has done. That's really saying something. But uh, I feel like we need to start taking bets on what film will be get turned into a show Ooh, next. One got announced the other day. Oh, man, what was it? There was a movie announced. The same. Was it? Uh, and I remember thinking it was a step too far. Glengarry Glen Ross. I would watch that show. 
I would watch the hell out I of that show. I actually could make a decent show. Uh, training oh. days let me down. I must say, I've not, I've not been as, as taken my training no. days out as I would have hoped. I feel like with that show, I think that is a good idea to take that film and put that into a show. Mm. And I feel like it needed more than just one season, obviously, mm. because of Bill Paxton. We're not, not going to happen. So it's a, it is no, a shame. I feel. The problem with Training Day as a series is it's too good natured. Mm. It is absolutely it, it needs too to be, good natured. Yeah, but you know, uh, Donkey Kong needs to have <laughs> on that show. That's, <laughs> that's what we're saying. <laughs> Um, no, the, the weird thing, the weird one I like is uh, Twelve Monkeys. I quite liked Twelve oh, yeah. Monkeys as a series. I thought it was really good. Um, what were the other ones? Uh, Man over two port back to turn into a show. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, that was bad. I'm sorry, but if you've got Will with Alderama as a regular on your show, you know it's going to suck. <laughs> I mean, does that extend to that seventy show? Uh, yeah, because it was a real one note thing, wasn't it? But um, also, yeah, what, he- was, what was the one that was announced the other day? He was in uh, From Dust Till Dawn as well, with Valderrama. See, I know, I never watched that. Is he that, plays is the Cheech Marin character. Is that still going on in, uh, in the old Netflix? As far as I know, it's it's in its third season. I think it's had a third season. And only the first season follows the plot of the movie, and then it does its own thing afterwards. Mm. So the second season follows on from you know, where the movie would have ended, yeah. with the George Clooney character having gone on to El Rey and blah, blah, blah. But um, the one I always remember, as far as movies becoming TV shows, and it being amazing goes, Nikita. Which is the the, the yes. CW version of La Femme Nikita, which I absolutely adored, mm. and it had uh, Maggie Q and uh, like Lindsay Q. Fonseca, and oh, and That's your boy Shane that. West, because you got to have oh, Shane, Shane West. West. Who doesn't love uh, <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's the line from LXG from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Is it eyes open, boy? Can't look after you all the time. <laughs> That's essentially like the Inception Tom Hardy Eames line when he's like, yeah. sometimes you've got to just dream a little bit bigger now. <laughs> Giant gun. Oh, the movie that made Sean Connery retire. <laughs> and it's not even uh, that awful. That's, I mean, it's bad, but it's I've not, not that bad. I've not seen it since I saw it at the cinema all those years ago. Was it 2002, 2003? About, about that. 2002, I'd say, I guess. I remember that. I guess, I'd say. It's got people I like in it, and that guy yeah. from ER. Uh, and funny link, uh, Petter Wilson, who uh, is in that movie as the as Mina Harker, hmm. played uh, the first TV incarnation of La Femme Nikita. There you go. Everything's just tied up. Everything need a little package, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not being sarcastic, just pointing it out. <laughs> oh. uh, right. Okay, let me Always talk about uh, Gleason then. Yes. Uh, there's not an awful lot to say on this one. I got to be honest. This is this, this isn't Brendan nor Donal. No, it is nothing to do with the the Irish Gleasons. I watched uh, <laughs> the Irish Gleasons. Uh, I saw uh, season two of Catastrophe yesterday. I finally, oh yeah, I just watched it all in a day. Oh, I'm, I'm going to watch the latest episode of three later. Um, I've I've done that. I'm up to date now. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't realize that uh, Donald Gleason shows up in, in yeah in the second episode of season three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's it. The, season three. Yeah. The job recruiter, isn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah. I was just like, oh, it's Donald Gleason. But I'm a big fan of Catastrophe. Me too. Um... What do you call it? Uh, so, so Gleason is the. Uh, <laughs> I'm stuck on the Irish Gleasons. Um, Gleason is the story of uh, the uh, New Orleans Saint defensive backer Steve Gleason, and his diagnosis um, when he's di- he's diagnosed with the ALS. He was diagnosed. I think it was about 2008, 2009. They were the team that famously had to return to the Superdome after Hurricane Katrina. They returned. Mm. I think it was 13 months later. Um, when after his retirement, he was diagnosed with ALS. And what this film presents to us is a chronicle by Gleason and his 
wife effectively speaking to camera and it's from 2008 onwards and it's how they deal with his diagnosis uh we have a clip i have been diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis which is a um it's a disease in the motor neurons And uh, this disease is, is almost always fatal. My first reaction was kind of frustration or anger at the doctor for saying it. And I just was like, there's no, there's no way. Like, he's telling me this, but I don't necessarily believe what he's saying. Okay, that, that clip is basically the film. Okay. Like, it's, it's kind of all like that. It, mm. Like, that's the tone, that's the style all the way through. Now... I really, really don't want to give this a bad review. I really don't, because obviously, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a true to life tale. You know, it's well, not a tale; it's a documentary. It's obviously real. Um, it's a sad story. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of heart wrenching moments in it, and you know, I feel like it deserves better than this. And the problem is, there's not an awful lot to say. The prob- the big problem seems to be that for it to have any kind of real emotional resonance, you have to sort of un- you have to know who he is, and outside of you know the NFL, that is not going to happen. You know, what mm. I mean? are you having the same ear problem that I have when you've got the headphones off too long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like, feel like my ears have been yeah. stapled to my head. <laughs> you do. Oh. Um, but no, the problem is. It's sim- It's not that he's unlikable. He is quite a likable guy. He has a sort of Chris Pratt-like quality to him. He's a likable guy. Yeah, and he's a very likable guy. But you know like, in that way that you would totally believe Chris Pratt as an NFL player? Yeah. yeah. Same exact thing here. Um, he and his wife are both very likable people. They seem to have quite a lovely family. And obviously the story is, you know, staggeringly tragic. Um, the problem is that outside of the basic day-to-day of living with ALS... Which, I'm, I don't get me wrong, that is an important thing, and I feel like that needs to be explored in documentaries. Let's be honest, we live in a world in which most people don't know what the Ice Bucket Challenge was in aid of. So, yeah. you know, obviously there is room... There is. It was just putting ice on your head. Yeah, there is obviously a ways to go as far as, you know, raising awareness for ALS beyond YouTube gimmickry. Um But the problem is it just deserves a, a better film than this, a better film than what's effectively a semi-famous person's diary. And that's what you get here. You've got, so, you know, a famous person who you don't know doing a video diary. And I, 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 I feel bad for talking down. I really, really do. And I do, I do wish I could give this a better review. I, I really do. But it's just not up to much. And that's, no. that's a, sh- it's a shame given the subject matter. You know, you yeah, don't it's, it's want to. It's an important to... story, but the way it's been told. It would be like if you hated Moonlight. If, if Moonlight was a crap film. You'd hate to give that a bad review, given what it represents. Yeah. I mean, luckily, it isn't. It's, it's just as well that it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good job. Fantastic. It's one of the year's best. But, you know, <laughs> it's it's that case. Yeah. and kind of hate it for it. I think that film... I think that film will be a lot of people's best film. Oh, year, God, yeah. Moonlight's going to wind up in a lot of top fives at the end of the year. But... Yeah. Uh, It'd be interesting to see how many uh, La La Land will be. Yes. Yes, it will. Hmm. But, uh, by the way, um, bit of, uh, not really film news, kind of release date news. Did you know that Meg got, got, got pushed back? Yeah, I did, but I'm kind of happy with it, to be honest. Because now it's a summer blockbuster. Yeah, so now it's yeah. going to get, like, more of... Yeah, yeah. it's going to get more traction. So, it's ace. the Jason Statham killer, sh- uh, you know, uh, Mega Shark movie, do you know the plot for this? Something some to do... Right, don't tell me. It's something to do with Rain Wilson's character. He's, like, some business guy. 
or businessman, if you will. I'm not sure about Rain Johnson, about uh, uh, Rain Wilson. Tell me, right? There, there is a submersible, a, a submersible scientific research vessel off the coast of China hmm. that get that has an accident when they uncover the megalodon, the mega shark. Yeah, how, get- how big is it again? Is it 40 feet? Something like that. I thought it was like 75. Oh, 75 foot. Yeah, yeah, 75. Yeah, sorry. 75 foot mega shark, prehistoric shark, which they, I think they awaken or something. Um, they get trapped underwater, and it's up to Jason Statham, a legendary diver, to go and save them. But, bust this, Jason Statham has a past whereby he has accidentally faced this megalodon before and must face his fears. Oh, that's Gene. What is his name going to be? What is Statham's name going to be? He needs to Jonas like- Taylor. Is it? Is that? Is that that's, that's, actually that's actually his name. That's actually his name. I wanted it to be more like on the nose. Like uh, I wanted to have like water in the like like Flynn Waterhouse or something. So, so, something like Jack Rivers. <laughs> and his sidekick, his token Chinese sidekick, is going to be played by Lee Bingbing. Oh but, right, yeah, uh, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, She's good, I like it. Hang on, is it Lee Bingbing or Fan Bingbing? Oh, Bing? Fan Bing Bing. oh, yeah, oh I, I always get the two confused because one's, one's an X-Man. Such a specific surname, yeah. isn't it? Mm. But, uh, oh, man, okay. But- it's, also, it's also a noise that uh, Donald Trump made to uh, win the election. It he is said, true. He said bing bing. And, he did, uh, he know. did. But, uh, yeah, so didn't he get pushed back? I think it's from May to August. So yes, something next like that, August yeah. we get the joy that is Meg from the director of National Treasure and Sources Scor- Apprentice. Yeah, uh, John Turtle Tom. Turtle yeah. yeah. I mean, that is going to rule. Oh, it's also now going to get an IMAX and 3D release. Because so, you need a big screen to see 75-foot shot. China, yeah. Have you I seen the first it. image from it, which is the Megalodon with a surfer yes. going over it? Yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait for this movie. You, you had me at Jason Statham Mega Shark movie, I mean, but, you know. When I first heard about it, I thought that Jared Butler was going to be announced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my! it's got some, some credibility. It, was it last week after the show that we watched the Geostorm trailer? Yeah, and I proposed to you, so we watch it again. Oh, good God, that was a that was a good trailer. Yeah. Uh, good I've not seen the trailer yet for Atomic Blonde. Ah, so, that's quite good. So, so yeah, good. I, I would like to watch it. It's got uh, good reviews from uh, South by Southwest. It has, yeah. It's just been premiered, as did Baby Driver. That's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Have, you, have you seen the Baby Driver trailer? No, I haven't. Then we should watch that. We should watch that. And also, literally just the second, uh, the trailer for Coco. Ooh, is that out? For Pixar. Ah, okay, film. I mean, I've been intrigued yeah. by Coco for a while, because as there's a lot of concept art for that one it looks great Um, I mean a lot of people are just like saying oh it's like book of life and stuff but it's I mean we are allowed to have like more than just one film set about one one trailer we did watch recently we watched Song for Song the new Terrence Malick one Possibly the most Terrence Malick looking film. Ever. It is. Um, I was. <laughs> it's all very canted angles. I was speaking to Robbie Collin from the Telegraph, and he's seen it. And he's, he's it, the reviews online now, so you can, you can read it. But he he was telling me absolutely hated it. Mm. Uh, he did also say that it was the most Terrence Malick one yet. <laughs> so yeah, swings and roundabouts. Not more Malick. Um, the one I was going to say oh, to do with the trial. Oh, that was it. No. Um, I was going to talk about, because uh, Song for Song reminded me of this, because it's Terrence yeah. Malick. Uh, we didn't talk about Ferrari, did we? <clears throat> the Michael Oh, Mann? no, yeah, let's finish on that. So, yeah. it was supposed to be uh, Christian, Christian Bale, Bale, who has a history with Terrence Malick, and... Uh, and there's the link. There's your there's tenuous link, link yeah. <laughs> and now, now link Christian Bale to Bradley Whitford. I was just saying, what's going to be about Bradley Whitford? One? Okay, hang on, we'll, we'll try for this one. All right, I'll, I'll talk about Wh- that. Bradley Whitford was mm-hmm. in... Uh, was in Cabin in the Woods with Richard Jenkins, who's that in... That is your link to everything. Yeah, who's That's in Bone Tomahawk with Patrick Wilson, yeah. who's in The Conjuring with Vera Farmia. Oh, interesting. Who's in 
Hang on, I've got it. Who's in the department with Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, uh, no way I would have gone sir. Okay, no who's gone. in? Who's in? Uh, uh, who's in uh, Body of Lies with uh, Russell Crowe? Who's in Three Ten Team with Christian Bale? Boom. Okay, nice one. I will take it. <laughs> I will take part of your set. I will go back to The Conjuring. Okay, which is directed by James Wan. James Wan is going to be directing Aquaman. Aquaman is part of the Justice League. Justice League has Batman. Batman was once played God by damn you. Christian Bale. I'll win that one. F*** you, guys. But anyway, the Ferrari movie. The Ferrari movie, uh, which doesn't have a title, still. I thought it was just being called Ferrari. Uh, I think that's the assumption everyone's always had. But it was going to star Christian Bale. I didn't think they had a female lead at any point. But it's now going to be Numi Rapace uh, and Hugh Jackman. So... Yeah, imagine that. So Hugh Jackman's going to play an Italian. That's cool. Um, yeah, he needs to put on some sense. pounds. He needs to like basically swap yeah. his swap his Wolverine diet. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, I don't. You can't get physically further away yeah. from Enzo Ferrari than Hugh Jackman. Have you seen him like do the rounds on the talk shows and stuff recently? Uh, some of them I've seen. He's, a couple he's of been them. telling people like how he's been getting as lean as he has to do to be Logan. Doesn't he ask The Rock? I thought The Rock gives him fitness advice. Uh, yeah, um, he has been talked to the rock. I know that was the that was the case of the Wolverine. The Wolverine, yeah, yeah. the Wolverine was this one in particular. Mm. He was doing like this dehydration technique where, for like a couple of days, he would drink gallons of water, 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 and then after that, would have like two days where he would just not drink water or drink like hardly anything. Wow! And, And because of that, like. The water underneath his skin would have like evaporated, and so like there is no tighter. way that works. That's what he's no been saying. No way. That's awesome. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's psychotic. But it's he, awesome. Yeah, he, he did say many times, <laughs> "Don't try this at home," because uh, obviously he would have like people with him and stuff to make sure that he's okay. But... When uh, we did the Ant Man press conference a couple of years ago, and of course the whole big thing with Ant Man was that Paul Rudd had gotten himself in this yeah, amazing Paul Rudd had abs. Yeah, he really did. Like, um, but there was a sort of contest in the room. Uh, from every, I'm not, I'm not even going to say female journalist, just amongst every journalist, to try and get Paul Rudd to lift his shirt. I don't know why, it was just sort of silently agreed that this was a thing that needed to be done. And uh, Ladies love Paul Rudd. The ladies oh, wait, do ladies. love Paul Rudd. And cool James. But um, <laughs> but uh, the whole thing was, uh, he went on this whole diatribe where he told us how he got into such shape. Mm. And his, his response was, I didn't have sugar or drink alcohol for a year, because it was the worst yeah. year of my life. Um, wouldn't recommend it. No, wouldn't recommend it at all. But uh, yeah, so I was, I'm always terrified of these uh, extremes Extre- that they go yeah, to. Just completely cut things out. Or... <laughs> it's like remember when uh, Chris Pratt turned up at the beginning of a season of Parks and Rec? He's like, "Oh, I love you." That. Just gave up beer. How yeah, much how? beer were you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Begin of season six when he's in London. Yeah, he goes to London to go work over there for a little well, he's bit. He's been filming Guardians, hasn't he? Yeah, because yeah. he's been filming Guardians, and Peter Safonowitz is in that episode as yeah. well. Because he's in also in Guardians. Which one do you think came first? By the way, out of those, I've always wondered: Did he get Seraphine in which the gig on Parks and Rec because he met him on Guardians, or did oh, he yeah, get no, the role on Guardians because he met him on Parks and Rec? No, that's what I assumed. It, I'm just curious which way around those goes. Because obviously, I'm assuming Chris Pratt got in the gig. But, oh, I don't know. I don't know if Chris Pratt got in the gig. I thought mm, that maybe like Seth just Anubis, an extraordinary coincidence. Seth Anubis was cast on Guardians, and then just they were both from yeah, the public got on really well, and then he was like shooting something for Parks and Rec. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I love Parks and Rec so much. Um, <laughs> did you know that I have I've got a spatula, like a like a meat flipper spatula that says meat flipper that's been 
burned into it, and it's also got uh, Ron Swanson's face burned into it. That as is well. amazing. So Every, everything everything needs Nick Offman burned into it. <laughs> <laughs> But alas, we do not end our show with uh, with Mr. Nick Offman. In which case, here it is, your moment of gauge. Some of the things early on that were described as sort of weird, mm-hmm. like eating the cockroach, for example, mm-hmm. that was more calculated, from what I understand. Cool. Like you were you were you were doing that for effect. I was trying to get on the map. I was a, I was a I was I started at fifteen, and I was trying to make a big noise like punk rock and say, "Look at me, I'm I'm here," you know, and I want you to remember me. And that was how I did it. You know, I, heard, I heard well, I heard stories about Ozzy Osbourne and all that, and I, I thought, wow, that's wild. But I, um, when I did Vampire's Kiss, it was my idea. The, the cockroach. Yeah, and the director and I, um, we were knocking heads a little bit, so he made me do it twice. But I can tell you, it was the most disgusting, <laughs> horrible memory I, I have of any experience on a movie set, and. Um, but we're still talking but, but, about it but today. But we're still talking about it, and the irony, again, I like that word today, <laughs> is now you have these things or had these things like Fear Factor, and everyone's doing it, and and it it, it created such a, a a gasp in the audience, and um, people were uh, shocked by it, and, and it, it didn't cost any money. Now, I did get a call <laughs> from the uh, I did I, I did get a call from the animal rights people on the set. And I said, well, excuse me, do you have a can of, like, a raid in your house? Do you have a can, you know, are you really going to get mad about that? They really got upset. Yeah, there was a few phone calls.